Hey boomers, welcome once again to your online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. It's Sonic the Comic, the <laughs> podcast, and we're the humes who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name's Dave Bulmer, and I can hear the sound of you doing a little nod to go along with that. But... I think that's my hair. My hair needs cut. Oh, I mean, <laughs> God. I've been trying to get mine done for the last three, four weeks, and there's always something to do. Hello, everybody. I'm Dave Fulmer, and he's Chris Mavili, and we are the Humes, and this is STCTP. And this time, we've got issue number 74, which claims to be the 29th of March. But, of course, that was its take-off-the-shelf date, which means it was released... On March 16th. 16th. The date of my birthday party. More on that later. (laughs) Ooh, hello. (laughs) A little preview. Hog the Limelight. Get it? Yeah, because because the cover illustration Hog. is of Sonic and Amy caught in a big spotlight, yeah, like a big prison like security yeah. spotlight as they sneak down a dark alley. But like 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 limelight, like in like the light, lime. and he's hogging it because he's a hedgehog. Do you get it? Caught, although they don't seem inconvenienced at all. No, they don't seem very bothered. In fact, about it. Sonic's throwing up the horns. He, the, right, something about the fact that Sonic is throwing up the horns. Plus the fact that him and Amy, Amy is backed up against the wall. They're both having a little mm-hmm. grin as this searchlight reaches them. Little smiles, yeah. Doesn't it look a bit like a copper has come round at the back of the bins and found them during a tryst? Well, that's where you, that's where you find hedgehogs nosing around the bins <laughs> looking for, <laughs> yeah, looking right, yeah. for something yeah, to nibble on. That's fine then. <laughs> Perfectly innocent then, you're quite right. <laughs> Carl Flint cover, by the way, we didn't say, but I mean that that, that that's barely rarely worth mentioning these days that it's Carl Flint. Chris, I think they were going at it. Sonic and Amy going at it. Ooh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> New story, Knuckles, the, the ghost, ghost ship. ship. Yes, and he gets pride of place in the pog this issue as well. Yeah, that's right up there in the top left. Featuring Knuckles. Plus Tails, Shining Force. The Saturn Q-Zone. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. A Q-Zone for the Saturn. Sega the Saturn. green graphic zone. Right. I foolishly thought that was going to be ecological. Yes. But uh, it went another way. Yeah. We'll get there. And then we're threatened with the new zone. The computer pixel zone. It's just a graphic zone, isn't it? But computery. It's just another bloody graphic zone. There's two graphic zones this issue. Yeah. The, the, rather than a... I'll grant you it'll give us more to talk about than another crappy pinup. It will. But I'm actually quite pleased to have the pixels out. You know what I would really have liked would be a nice double page spread ad in the middle of the comic. I could yeah. have really got on with that. Yeah, you know? something from Frosty, something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many children's drawing we can mercilessly savage in this bad one episode, <laughs> you know? Uh, speaking of uh, advertisements, we've got one on the back this issue. Yes. It's the Lego Explorian range. I don't remember that range, do you? No, I don't remember that name. It's just the newest form of space. The space Lego. This is a photograph of just a big old spaceship. Big old spaceship. spaceship. And it's got all all the bits that you remember the space Lego from the era having. The, the translucent yellowy green antennas and, and the discs and things. and things. Yeah, those are all there. The blue plates that go over the cockpit, that sort of stuff. But it's in a, the configuration of a sort of... It's it's almost like a chunky X-wing, isn't it? It's got little wings coming out of it. It's quaint looking at pictures of old Lego now, isn't it? Yeah. And I will call this old Lego because no, it's 25 years to. old. But it's kind of remarkable <laughs> how much Lego has come along... Mm. In 25 years, 
Not that I'm necessarily saying that this is bad or anything, but it is very clunky and chunky and angular. And it's impolite. You can do it by day, but it's better at night. Yeah, it's the fact that it's all... Sorry, you inadvertently quoted the stonk, so I just finished the line. Um... (laughs) It's an inmates running the asylum type thing. now. All these kids (laughs) who grew up with Lego and... Mm -hmm hacked lego (laughs) in their childhood years to find out innovative ways to put things together Uh, are turning those into official building tactics mm -hmm. and we get these incredibly huge complex beautiful models that cost significantly more than the price range given here of two pounds to 45 pounds i suppose we have to adjust for inflation but it's still even adjusting for inflation there is no way that a set that sold for two pounds whatever the content (laughs) of it was that would be one of those 10 11 12 pound sets today i bet actually that might be well it's still listen things cost more than they used to and young people go about today so proud with their phones (laughs) (laughs) and their compact discs and their pierced ears (laughs) yeah no the last lego set i bought was 200 quid this is 45 at the top range so i did yes i'm a little bit jealous i mean assuming that this ship is the 45 pound must big be, yeah, ticket yeah. item from this line i'm sure that would run 90 today oh yeah i mean it doesn't look the funny thing about lego pictures of lego is it's always very hard to judge scale even though it shouldn't there's be, should it? minifigure, it shouldn't be, because you know the size of the studs, yeah. you know what size a minifigure is, and there's always minifigures in yeah. the... Fo- and yet, and <laughs> yet, when you get a Lego set in your hand and you build it, it always looks smaller than the pictures made it out to look. Like space, it says, the mm. adventures are endless. As will be the price hikes. <laughs> hey, boomers, Megadroid says. Mm. He's, Gone in for one that that um, I find misleading. Okay. Spring has almost sprung, he says, so it must be time for my annual circuit and chrome service. All fine and good, fine and dandy, the usual kind of pointless whiffle I expect at this point. <laughs> in tune with my makeover, this issue of STC is looking rather spick and span, and it suddenly makes you feel like he's going to get a makeover, a redesign There's or something. It's going to be a redesign, like, no, yeah. No, he's just, he's just, no he's such just thing. chatting about getting a tune-up. for Just fill in space. Yeah. Why didn't he say something like, you know, why didn't they use the word polish, you know? Like, he's having a polish and this episode is polished or something, you know? Just, yeah, well, because, I mean... <laughs> so he says the issue looks rather spick and span. Descri- Sonic, mm. Amy and Johnny venture into enemy territory in the Sonic Strip. No puns or references to being spick and span or anything there. And that's fine, I wasn't expecting it. Then he turns around and says, Knuckles has a brush with Captain Plunder yeah. when they pair up in, for a new six-page voyage. In italics. In What's italics, that? to emphasize that it's a To show a pun. that he's doing a pun. But is it? Is there anything to do with brushing? Like, what's that about? Cleaning! Oh, huh! Oh, so yeah. it's meant to be a themed control zone well, about it was, but that's cleaning. the only one. That's the only one that does it. I'm so glad you told me about that. That was really bugging me. <laughs> There's plenty more swashbuckling in part two of Shining Force, and Tails is in a hole with Tantrum in Fox on the Run. So, so no more, no you know, more cleaning or joking. Or cle- no, <laughs> no more cleaning, no more joking. Not in this house. <laughs> no. The graphic zone goes green to coincide. It turns out with St. Patrick's Day. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I never remember when that is. Well, it's the day after this issue came out. <laughs> the seventeenth. <17th. laughs> And there's also computer artwork in the pixel zone. 
And he closes out by saying, if you want to know the secrets of Sega's energetic echidna, don't go. forget to order the first ever Knuckles knockout special on sale 25th of May. A sudden seven-week bump <laughs> from the 6th of April date announced last issue. And I can tell you that when it came out, couldn't find it anywhere. Tried and tried and tried. Got one eventually, but... I did get the Knuckles special. Because this, I've said this is after I had now... We are now into the territory where I was no longer buying the comic. Yep. But I guess Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future, had been cancelled by the time <laughs> yeah. the Knuckles special came out. And so I figured I could shell out a couple of pounds for it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like Sonic, but a bit more violent, so it's okay. Yeah, punching and such. <laughs> Megadroid closes out by saying, Meanwhile, I have to prepare for the Easter issue due out in two weeks' time. So enough rabbit from me. See yeah. you then for an even more exciting read. He switched pun topics mid-control zone. It's uncontrollable. Somebody get this <laughs> man. Get a handle on him. So much for the control zone. Well, maybe... Ah, oh, there you go. He was undergoing his tune-up at the time. So it was like, you know, when you know when someone's having brain surgery... Well, he opened and like, the hatch on the back and turned the dial from cleaning to f***ing eggs. Did, yeah, it was just short-circuiting generally. And then we have a special announcement. Burton's out! <laughs> He's a gentleman of the audience. Yep, STC's changed their email number. Yeah, email alert calling all STC's speed track users, boomers with access to a computer, a modem, and an email service, should note that STC's email number has changed. It's great to remember a time when all three of those things were separate <laughs> things that you had to have, isn't it? Now, if you want to send messages faster than the speed of the Great Blue Hedgehog, type the following address into your software. So do you think they're making the transition here from email number to email address? And it, it, Maybe, it is. yeah. It's now stc at egmont.co.uk. I don't think we've ever made this transition known that now we're with Egmont because it's Fleetway. Uh, Fleetway Editions, Sonic the Comic. And at some point, Fleetway got bought out by Egmont. Looks like this was that time. Uh, I'll tell you when that happened. Hold on. Oh, no. Published every other Saturday by Fleetway Editions Limited. Oh, yeah. No, Egmont bought them in 1991. It's always been Egmont. Interesting. Okay. But it does become... like So, where here it says, published by Fleetway Editions Limited, that mm -hmm. will start to say Egmont Fleetway. So, I guess at some point, Egmont just goes, Do you know what? We own these things, we're going to fold them into ourselves. Egmont bought Fleetway from evil media mogul Robert Maxwell mm -hmm. in 1991 and merged it with their own comics publishing operation, London Editions, to form Fleetway Editions. Fleetway Editions. But the name Fleetway ceases to appear on their comics sometime after 2002. So we won't ever see it go away in the length of time we'll be doing this podcast. No, we will, because that's how I know. It started to say Egmont Fleetway. Well, it may say Egmont Fleetway, but the name oh. Fleetway will, will not. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Fleetway, it was a good name for a company that published Sonic. Yeah, wasn't it? Because he was fleet. Yeah. It was just, it just fitted. Fleet of foot. Yeah. It's not a yeah. good name for a hedgehog or a certain yellow super hedgehog, and you shouldn't call him that. <laughs> but God, it's a I good name for the do, company that publish it. They do, I know, it's shocking. Why don't they call him Egmont? <laughs> <laughs> Too close. That's what they should call Robotnik. You know, like the, our, <laughs> Dr. our slightly different adventures design. He should be called Egmont. <laughs> the Bigger Shots. Anything in the charts this week? Yes, there is. Sonic and Knuckles has beat Premier Manager. Look Way! at it! Way! Come on, you red and blues. <laughs> <laughs> 
lock-on technology defeats spreadsheet technology. <laughs> Mega CD not suffering from the sports problem. No, Earthworm Jim at number one, BC Racers at number two. Mm. Oh, there is FIFA, but it's down at five. Oh, yeah, so. down at five. World Cup USA 94 at seven. Yeah, and going down as well, dribbling down the charts. I mean, Mega CD didn't really suffer from games of any kind, did it? <laughs> It wasn't known to have many to inflict upon us. Still no Saturn charts, even though we're going to have proof later on that there are games on it. We're about to have a Q-Zone, yeah. And apparently they think their readers might possibly have them. That's a good point. It must happen sometime soon, right? <laughs> Does it? Ha- do we... Do we know it happened? No, it's gotta happen. I'm almost certain it happens. There's no way they're still publishing Master System and Game Gear <laughs> charts in I 1997. Know. I know. Mission to the Metropolis Zone, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona! We're not Roberto No, Corona. that's, yeah, we haven't had a Bob Corona in absolutely ages. I was starting <laughs> to wonder if he was actually ever going to do another strip. It's been a really long time. Colours by Steve White and letters by Ellie DeVille, but miscredited here as Steve Potter. <laughs> Learning that Commander Brutus is missing, Sonic, Amy and Johnny sneak into the Metropolis Zone in hopes of exploiting Robotnik's loss of manpower to do some sabotage. The mission seems to go awry when Sonic and Johnny are captured and brought before Robotnik, but really, they've allowed themselves to be taken prisoner as a distraction, affording Amy the chance to wipe Robotnik's computer files, after which our heroes escape to fight another day. This is a a fun one. It's just a little... Yeah. We are now yeah. in a strange point with the comic mm-hmm. where it's not just that the biggest epic just ended, not like the biggest, most recent run of Kitching Elson stories ended, yeah. in that they ended with a great feeling of finality, having brought full circle stuff that's been in play for 50 issues or 50, 60 issues. So now we're kind of like, well, okay, but what's next? And this is where we're going to be for a little while now. So, Because we've, we've had a filler Mark Miller issue that doesn't really reflect that. A little bit of Miller filler. A little bit of Miller filler. Mark filler. More like Miller Mark <laughs> filler, am I right? <laughs> And then here we have this Lou Stringer one, which is... Just a little fluffy little story, but I love, love, love that it's just like a a subplot interlude in his Brutus trilogy. Yeah, well, I think it's a really good little strip. Yes, not much actually happens in it, but it is important to get a look at the status quo sometimes, Hmm. especially in a time like you've just described, where we've just had a great big story. It's just nice to see the Freedom Fighters mount a little freedom fight. And it's given greater meaning than that by using it as this little interstitial chapter aside of of the Brutus storyline. Usually Sonic the Comic tends to just be about the plot. There isn't much going on, you know, stewing in the background. Because there's only seven pages to do it with. Yeah. But because Stringer has been able to work his Brutus story over in Sonic's world while the main Sonic strip's been carrying on, now he can just drop back in and do a little bit of... He's not laying ground for anything. It's just like, do you you remember this? Do you remember this? Mm. This Yeah. And on top of that, really liking Corona's art in this one. Right. I think I've come to a sort of general conclusion about Corona. Okay. That he's grand. I don't yeah. I don't know that I'd literally ever choose him. If I had to pick an artist from ST say that I wanted to draw me Sonic stories, I don't think I'd ever pick him, you know. His Sonic never seems to quite look right to me, you know? And his Johnny just sort of looks like an off brand Richard Elson drawing of Johnny. 
because that's the <laughs> only reference that they have for this yeah. Johnny to work from. I suppose it would, yeah. But I really do like his Amy. Yeah. Something about the way he draws Amy. And I like just how everything is presented. And, of course, the colouring helps as well. In fact, the colouring in this... White's colouring is really good on Really, this. really, yeah, really, really He's really... Adding a dimension to Corona's art that I don't think it's had before. Yes, and different flavours to different pages. There's almost a feeling of progression of the colour scheme throughout the issue, isn't there? And uh, it's really, really interesting. There's what Now, I've said I like Corona's art. There's one really tortured drawing of Sonic. I don't know what the word is for a like a reverse three-quarters angle from behind. Um, but it's the top of page three. The first Sonic there Oof, is yeah. not oh, he, he looks, a good one. No, he's all... It's something about... Part of it is the colouring, you know, I think, because of Mm -hmm. the way that you see the way white has taken the highlight on that one spike and curved it all the way All the way to the ear. To the ear. Do you know what? That might be the only problem with it. Oh, well, the face looks a bit wrong. The brow is... But the thing is, though, the rest of the comic is full of perfectly successful Sonic head turns. Yeah. Um, I just find it appealing. I think, yeah, I like looking at this issue. It's nice. Do you know what, though? I have to... Mm -hmm. No, get ready for this. Okay. I shall steal myself. We have not had it for a long time now, but it's here again. Bottom right, page two. It's an eyelids watch. Bottom right, page two. I do not know what to make of that. No, sir. They are both blue and flesh-coloured. They're truly heinous. That is... Almost equally coloured blue and flesh. You w- listeners won't be able to imagine no, it, what we're talking about here because, but it's true. Both of those colours have been it's used. Just, they, they've been drawn correctly. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, they're drawn correctly in that they're big eyelids that come down yeah, over yeah, yeah. his giant eyes. They're not. They're not doing the little pupil blinks or anything no, no. like that. And it's almost as if they're blue and the flesh colour is used for the highlight, or they're, they're flesh coloured and, and the, the blue, blue has been, been used for the shadow. For the shadow, it is revolting. It's almost as if they're white with fleshy highlights and blue shirt. It's very, very strange. There's a more satisfying one on the bottom left of page four, where it does just seem to be a correct coloured yeah, eyelid. Yeah, he's just doing a little wink. Or... Oh, yeah, he's winking at Johnny. He's winking at Johnny, and the eyelid looks right. Yeah. So maybe we can say that those are very blue shadows, but the presence of all the white... Is the yeah, it's no good. Ooh. Like, what's going on with Robotnik on the facing page there? Either he's he's <laughs> leaning like... over his desk and you know, where's where is Brutus, and and he's got his eyes closed. <laughs> I don't mind that. He's just shouting, no, isn't he? It just doesn't. It why is well, they, what he's why doing? Why are they closed? Because what he's doing is he's. It's not where is Brutus. It's bah. Still no word, and he's banging his fist he on is, the table. But That's even why. So it, it, it was very off-putting as my first. Eyes on Robotnik in this trip, but then he looks great on the next page. Mm. And when I remember how bad Corona's first attempt at drawing Robotnik was back in that tail strip, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he's he's, he's come along. He's got way. it now. Grimer looks good too. Yeah, oh yeah, because he was just a man. Was that Corona? Corona, we've already, I think, touched upon two very different renditions of Grimer in the he same did, issue. In the same issue, that's right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at the big boots on the Trooper Badniks as well. Oh yeah, I'm liking oh, they're massive. Now. <laughs> Big clumpy things. No, maybe I don't mind Corona, actually. I'm finding all these little things that I'm enjoying yeah, again. I, you know. I really think this is a well-drawn issue. I mean, hey, if you want some, if you want a good little drawing, check out first panel, page four, the skull of a trooper exposed as Sonic bashes his helmet off. And it's a good drawing yeah. of one. Oh, 
<laughs> that's what I was actually about to flag up next. It was that when Sonic and Johnny are made doing the run for it, like he, he gives it a boff and yeah, his head goes flying off and it like disintegrates yeah. into three pieces. His little style helm helmet goes flying off and it exposes his skull. Yeah. And then the top of the skull and the jawbone come apart as well. And they're all woo flying yeah. off in like a three, three part exploded view. It's just really good. Yeah, it's great. And that's because of this action shot that's going on where Sonic's, Sonic's gone it. Oh, look. Oh, Sonic's gone into a different one and his head's like flung back and exploded so he's just a jaw with explosion coming out of the back yeah and johnny's actually belting the head off the other one with his yeah. stick that's yeah that's a really good look at grimer in behind robot cowering in terror that's his great. little eyes pigging <laughs> wide open oh i might enjoy this more than i realize this is a good this is a good one and the panel of amy running along you already complimented his amy but running along in a, in oh, a look very at amy at the computer in that one there right under the skull mm. panel she looks so happy in her work to be deleting yep. off computers she's there deleting stuff previous pages she's running along a very side-on view of her shooting an arrow into a thing mm. that's exploding so hard that it's like you have to guess what it was yeah, well, well it was a trooper <laughs> i guess but no, 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 wait, no, it's not. It's, it's one of those little mosquito things. Is it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's the eye. That's the eyes left hovering in the air above where it's exploded. I've just cocked oh, on yeah. it. That's what it was, yes. <laughs> it has exploded so dramatically, you do have to take a moment to... Uh... And in fact, previous page to that, there's another good robot explosion. Roberto Corona, he's your man for explosion things, it turns out. You know, that's what I'm remembering about the nuts and bolts stories. He drew some very nice explosions oh, yeah. and fire and stuff. Good kinetic energy. Remember when Nutsan's head got blown off? Yeah, and we liked his flourishes with Nutsan, like the little flags mm. coming out of his head and things. Like the, the ro- he's good at robot stuff. He's good at explosion stuff. He's good at robot explosions. Perfect for Sonic. <laughs> two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the you know the the first two pages establishing the Metropolis Zone, which of course looks nothing like the Metropolis Zone. But yeah, it- that's my beef. It's he, we, yeah, this yeah. it's a very stone. I mean. It's not like that time we got the Metropolis Zone as a Star Wars hive of scum and villainy in the poster mag. He's definitely drawn a big industrious city, but he's drawn a stone and brick type of city. It's a normal city. Space age futurist. Yeah, normal actually is a really good way of describing it. Just the normal city. (laughs) Just the normal city. What is it uh, they're made out of where they put those rectangles together and they stick them together with glue stuff? Those cities. Normal. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Really good drawings of sneaking around in the alleys and round the bins of a city. In that first panel, they've just come round from that corner where Sonic was copping off with Amy. But it turns out, Twist, Johnny was round there as well. All right. I don't know what that policeman walked into, but... Maybe it was Sonic walked in on there. Uh, Who knows? Johnny wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, like I think this is overall good. There's not much... Nothing happens There's in no it. story. No. There is no story. You know, the story was the summary. Yeah. There's a few flourishes along the way. You know, Amy's deleting from the computer. She gets grabbed by a badnik while she's doing it. Yeah. Sonic and, um, uh, and Johnny escape by smashing through, like, an air vent because the mm-hmm. door's sealed off with lasers. Mm-hmm. So then they run down through the air vent to the computer room. Uh, I was going to say where they save Amy, but no, Amy, Amy actually uses her crossbow to hit the delete button on the computer and wipe the files all on her own anyway. Mm. Then Sonic and Johnny come bursting out of the vent, they baff the last few troopers, and off they go on a wee floater as <laughs> Citadel Robotnik's eye is on fire. And yeah, smoking. in the distance behind that. I'll tell you what this is, actually. In a more modern comic this would be a great first seven pages to reintroduce the characters mm. to then go on yeah, to tell yeah. a story it really the only thing it's missing is like you know 
a, a, a theme we have to resolve across the rest of the story. Something wrong with one of the characters that they're dealing with mm. or something. I'll tell you what it has in common with the Boyan Dukic poster Maggie mentioned where they're in a hive Uh-oh. of scum and villainy. Last panel of the entire strip, two moons. Two moons again. Yeah, two I haven't moons. been keeping an eye out for no, that. No, we, we have this ongoing thing where we're like, is it official... STC Mobius canon that Mobius has two moons or is that just what happens when you ask a comics artist to, to draw, draw an alien planet yeah I don't know yeah I'm gonna have to keep a closer eye on that look at that panel there where Sonic and Johnny come booming out the vent into the room where the computer is on fire and everything that's good like that's that. good yeah it's good it's a good one this is a good one. Stringer just proven that uh, he's got the handle on Amy too. Just generally speaking, mm. like this is, uh, it's not an Amy story, but it's a story definitely where like Amy is foregrounded, you know? Yes. Um, and she's had what, two strips of her own at this point? Both Something by Stringer. Like, yeah. And they are, you know, they are, everyone else goes away and leaves her on her own and she has an adventure and doesn't, doesn't admit to it whenever they come back at the end after she saved herself. So it's nice to see Stringer now moving up to writing her as actually just a competent in the field adventurer yeah but she's got she's full of like you know comebacks stop struggling resistance is useless i've heard that one before and then sonic and johnny come bursting in and it's like you need a hand i wouldn't say no (laughs) she's not even jokes banter just Mm, yeah proper hero battle banter rubber baby buggy bumpers she's dropping the sonic style one-liners easy as you like I've seen a lot of love for STC Amy online on social media lately. I don't know, uh-huh. again, I don't know if it's just because I find myself exposed to these things more often now because yeah. I do this podcast, but I just like it. I just like the way everybody knows this is good, Amy. Same. <laughs> I haven't been active in the Sonic fandom for a long time, and now that I'm making mm. this, I'm exposed to a lot more of this. I choose instead to believe that it's because of us that uh, yes, that's that, also that, good. that my personal experience is therefore universal, and in fact, it was not there for several years, and now it is, and that's all down to me, me, me. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, we didn't say, but we should. Let's just say it goes without saying at this point, and we will only point out deviations from it going forward, <laughs> but I feel like it has not happened enough at this point that it is worth just pointing out Amy is in her standard now STC getup with the heart shirt yes. and the tartan skirt, yes. and she's got a mini crossbow. crossbow. After all the back and forth and on some of that stuff, yes. this now seems to have settled in as her yeah. regular STC outfit, and we will only point out if there are deviations from it in the future. <laughs> okay, okay, good idea. <laughs> no, you know, I think I enjoyed this more now after talking it over. Right, so it just washed over you the first time. I guess a little bit, yeah, because it is just, it is just mm-hmm. that, a little bit of fun that is given a little bit of greater meaning, I realise now after talking about it, just seeing Stringer's continual handling of Amy and being used to do a little nudge-nudge towards the uh, the Brutus subplot, mm. which is noted in, a, what does it say in the footnote? Uh, Brutus is in a secret location planning something big. Find out what in future issues. <laughs> and I'll be looking forward to that. Oh, to be in a job like Lou Stringer and Nigel Kitching are right now. You know what I mean? They get this playground that is their comic with a built-in audience. No one seems to be really stopping them or minding what they do, so they That's get to have these ongoing stories. I feel like we talked about it at least once comparatively recently, but it's it's difficult at this point in the comics life to think of these guys as just being like freelancers yeah. posting scripts into the office at this point because they are now doing long long form stories that they that they seed in advance that they do subplots running through that they spread out across multiple arcs and multiple stories across multiple serials within the comic you know yeah i mean later in this issue we're going to have a, another reference to the fact that the emerald hill folk live in the mushroom hill zone now yeah. and that was flipping 
loads of issues ages ago. Ages ago. That was 20 issues ago. Because it was a good, proper comic, this. Next issue, Smokey and the Bad Nick. Graphic Zone. The green... Oh, no! It's just called Graphic Zone. You know, we noted recently yeah, yeah. that they've been not calling it Graphic Zone. They've been calling it various things. Yeah. This time it's just the Graphic Zone. You can tell it's green because, sure enough... It's all green. Everything's green. Well, well. All but one of the pictures are green-themed. Very green, yes. Um, So. So. <laughs> number one, right? Um, mm. A very interesting interpretation here by Michael Furry of Greenock, Scotland. Mm. Green, mm, green, green like yeah. the colour green. Yeah, like the green, like a bird's green. Very, <laughs> very interesting interpretation of Bono's revolting slimy hair of the time. <laughs> yes, it's easy. The caption that Michael himself has put yes. on his own artwork is Bono Sonic. Yeah. And it is Sonic. And look, I didn't look up to see if this was a real outfit Bono would ever oh. worn. Do you know? I could. Who knows? Absolutely I no idea. Even, I'm not sullying my browser with Bono. <laughs> no. It's Sonic, and he's got green platform shoes yeah. on. A, a belt with a green. Yes, what's that? I guess it's a B belt buckle. See, oh, see, I inter. You, or it could just be a belt buckle. I think you're right that it's a B for Bono. I interpreted it as, you know, like a mic pack or something, or like some mm. piece of equipment, but yeah. It could just be a wreck, because this picture is stretched out. This is a problem with two of Thank these pictures. Thank you! On these two exactly! Pages. They're, they're vertically stretched. Yes, good. I thought that, but I wasn't, you know, because you're never sure, but it really does look no, like it. No, but it's gotta be, yeah. right? Yeah. He's wearing a green cape, which is fastened around his neck with a, a clasp in the shape of a star. Yeah. He's got Bono's slimy hair, but it's accomplished by colouring his main top spike black and trailing it off trailing into off a little flick at the end. Like a little horrible tail or a yeah. or a droopy wizard's hat or something. A droopy hat, yes, I was going to say, like a wizard's hat. And <laughs> like sunglasses. <laughs> And sunglasses, but sunglasses that are... Well, they seem to be tactically positioned only over his pupils. <laughs> yes, they're like little contact lenses that are strapped together, yeah. doesn't it? And his eyes are yellow and he's got his mouth open and he's singing and it's pink and it's... It is what it is. I, I don't really have anything to add to this. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's made me think too much about Bono. I don't know what to make of it, so I have to move on. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. I like this one. Yes. Christopher Rubelar of Aberdeen. Knuckles sees green. Uh, I don't know whether the editors here know what this is, but we know what this is. This is Knuckles as the Green Ranger. After a fashion, yes. With um, embellishments, yeah. Significant embellishments. Because, it's first of all, it's a green Knuckles. Don't anybody let Camp Anders find it. <laughs> um, and he's got the Green Ranger's... Um, Shoulder and chest armor. That, yeah, that he's got thing the gold that he wears, thing, That yeah. golden thing that he wears. But then, you know, the rest of it is all just kind of well made up, sort of. There's the ranger diamond pattern on his boots. That's the thing. I think a lot of the embellishments are ways of making Knuckles stuff into Power Rangers stuff and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But but there's a lot of either originality in there or stuff from something else that I don't know what is. Because he's got like magenta gloves yeah. with blue spikes. Triangles, that is to say, on the back of them. Like Power Rangers triangles only, yeah. But then his boots are brown. Like, you'd expect the boots and the gloves to be the same colour, but they're not. The boots are brown. Mm -hmm. But he does have Knuckles's pattern on his boots and the, the yes. Lego plate on top, except it's purple. Mm. And, and, yeah. Very surprised, but delighted to see that they've gone with the Lego plate in the upcoming film. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, that I, nice I, to I, see? I, one shouldn't be surprised no. with the the level of fidelity that this movie, in particular, never mind the first movie, but 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 yeah, uh, this one, yeah, this one in particular, yeah, it's just nice to see. Can't wait to find out how it disappoints me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying not to approach it with that mindset. Oh, I know. But no, I know, I know that new teaser that was on the the sports or whatever's been on. Yeah, the Super Bowl. I don't think he's Cockney anymore. I think he's doing an American accent. He's doing something. I'm mm. not sure what it is. Sonic the Hedgehog. It is my destiny to destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> As luck would have it, and as listeners are wanting to shout at us, about a week before this episode was released, a new trailer came out in which, no, he's not doing an American accent. Yes, brilliant, yes! But this was recorded several weeks ago, so to continue thinking that he does do an American accent... He's still going to be Cockney on this show. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you worry, listeners. We've got the real address yeah, on our show. If there's <laughs> insufficient levels of Cockney in the Sonic 2 movie, you can always come to STCTP. That's right. I mean, that's what they come here for anyway. The insufficient amounts of UK in their Sonic the Hedgehog come to <laughs> Very us. Very true. <laughs> Another thing that this Green Ranger Knuckles has is a unmistakably Donkey Kong K on his belt. That's a very Donkey Kong letter, isn't it's it? It's yeah. the K that you collect when you're collecting, collecting the letters yeah, in Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong yeah. Down below that, we've got one from Karen Smith from Angus in Scotland. God, this is all Scotland so far. Mm. And it's, well, the caption is, Sonic in the best of elf. No, wrong. This isn't an elf. This is a Robin Hood. Well, that was my question, all right. Yeah, it looked, that is I my thought answer. it was very Robin Hoody. But it's, it's Robin not, Hood. It's not that Robin Hoody, is it? Why There's not? really the, the most Robin Hoody thing about it is he's got a feather in his little green cap. Yeah. He's all, otherwise he's wearing a little green tunic. Yeah. And that's it. It's just Sonic wearing a little green tunic. Yeah. Dr- drawn and a by a young elf hat. Right. But, he's drawn by a young child, so they don't. Hmm. He's just drawn in green clothes and a Robin Hood hat with a Robin yeah. Hood feather in. That's Robin Hood. I mean, it's not necessarily a Robin Hood yes, hat, it is. is it? Yes. I mean, I, listen, I agree with you. I thought, I wonder if that's Robin Hood. But yeah. I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because mm-hmm. you can draw a little feather in a little elf's hat too. I suppose, if you're that way inclined, yeah. Why do we think he has, like, Ralph ears? <laughs> I don't know. I was hoping that would solve the puzzle. But, uh, yeah, no, should, he's got... No, it won't be ears. I'm sure it's meant to be, like, hair or something, but he's got two... Or, or warming flaps. Well, see, that's why I think it could be an elf flaps. thing. You know, flaps like on the side of a hat that you'd wear in cold weather. Oh, and warming! Live in the... Yeah, yeah. I thought you said worming for oh, no, deworming an ass. I wonder if Sonic's <laughs> ever had to deal with that. It's like, um, like, lift the flaps to go in and pull the worms out of his ears and then lift out the flaps down again. But no, elves live at the North Pole, so they would wear uh, cold weather uh, hats. Oh. And I think maybe that's why there is room for doubt. That Okay, there is room for doubt there. But what we haven't mentioned is that the whole thing is <laughs> is tilted, rotated to a, forty-five degrees. Yeah, <laughs> to I, an extreme I don't know if diagonal it that angle. way or not, no. or if STC is just rudely because if you tilt the page, it's a perfectly good standing up guy. Well, yeah, but his feet do go off at that they funny do. angle. I genuinely couldn't say which way she drew it. <laughs> no, I think probably what's happened here is that Karen started drawing without any thought to the alignment of the paper. And at the end of it, discovered that it was all drawn diagonally. And yes. went, never mind, I'll send it in. And STC failed to align it correctly. Yes, they've stuck with the uh, alignment of the paper, mm. as it was. That is not the artistic vision of this child. Unless the elf is supposed to be, or the Robin Hood is supposed to be, falling over 
or tripping or something like that. Now, see, the reason I'm willing to give it the benefit that it does mm. is because on the opposite page, Anthony Sloan from East Kilbride, a fourth Scottish entry mm. this, this week, has absolutely sent in a Robin Hood Sonic. Definitely a Robin Hood Sonic because yeah. he's got a quiver. Because t- he's got a quiver. There's mm. an arrow in it. And we can see from this side-on shot that the hat doesn't come up to a point like an elf hat does, which Karen's mm. drawing does. But this one is a, is a little Disney Robin Hood flat cap with a, a feather in it. You have a point there, and I didn't think of it. And the reason I didn't think of it is that I think I would have drawn a Robin Hood hat coming to a point like that as well. I think, yeah, it's difficult to... I can't now really think of what the real proper shape of a Robin Hood hat is. But yeah. I'm sure there's a real name for it and yeah. everything. But yeah. yeah. And by the way, if you were wondering, this drawing is surrounded by little swirls and stars. <gasps> and I did go back and check, and no, it's not by the same kid <sighs> who drew either of the two previous pictures that had backgrounds of swirls and stars in them. Because one of them was Jess Padkin, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So I guess this was just something we did in the zany 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose swirls and asterisks are the easiest background you can draw on anything. It makes me think that it's been codified recently. Was there an episode of Heartbeat or something where they said to do it? <laughs> it does make you wonder It's it's th- that everybody's independently doing yeah. something that looks so similar. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's not just that they're random shapes, yeah. but that they are these precise things. You know, someone's taking their cue from somewhere else. Yes, with this number of turns, it's a low number of turns in the spiral. Do you know what I mean? It's barely a spiral at all. The deep and penetrating mysteries <laughs> of children's artwork in the 1990s. Like, some things you'll never understand is like that. But then the presence of a second Green Ranger right above it from Keith Burnett from Colsterworth in Lincolnshire is like, yeah, it was it was 1996. Yeah, what do you want? Of course. of course, people were drawing, and of course, people people were drawing the Green Ranger. He was the coolest one. He was the coolest one. Unless we already had the White Ranger. Yeah, we already had the White Ranger, but Green Ranger still cooler. Shut up. What are you talking about? I'll fight you. It's the same guy, but with but cooler now. What are you talking about? Not cooler now. The Green Ranger was way cooler. Had the armor. Either way, the White Ranger wasn't green, so he wouldn't have been allowed on this. Wouldn't page. fit it here, no. But I don't think we've caught anybody drawing it yet. So this is Sonic as the Green Ranger, explicitly yeah. the Green Ranger. No embellishments. It's really. just yeah. It's it's the Green Ranger, except he's got Sonic shoes on and Sonic's spikes sticking out. Sonic's eyes looking out through the eyepiece of the helmet. Sonic's. Mu- muzzle mouth mm. and nose where that would normally be on a ranger helmet and then sonic spikes and ears just sticking out of the helmet yes the ranger's carved in mouth has been replaced for a cocky grin here which is a fun little addition and then the last one is the deviation the one that is not green at all it's no. from joanne scott although it is we don't maybe the nicest piece of art oh it's really pages. good uh, joanne scott from sunderland town and weir has drawn knuckles amy tails and sonic as the emerald hill headbangers <laughs> as a band and i guess it's because the emerald green emerald green yeah and so yeah. But again, it's terribly vertically stretched, but it's just yeah. nice. They're all in a band. Knuckles is playing the drums, Tails is on the keyboard, Sonic's on the guitar, and Amy is lead vocals. And I like that the audience is made up of yeah. little animals. There's a little rabbit and a pig and a chirps and a flicky. And I just, li- I just like to see that because you don't see that anymore. I know. <laughs> it's just nice. It's, a, it's great, this. It's a really great little bit of fan art. Um, well done. Really well done. Also, have you seen how she's styled the word emerald? It is like oh, yeah, a cross section like, uh, yeah. of the Emerald Hill Zone. That. Yeah, so it's like it, the way that she's coloured the letters it, of the and headbangers is just block letters coloured in red. But on the word emerald, the word hill is an outlier because that's kind of written in like a quick handwriting mm. type style. But emerald, the block letters, are coloured 
top half green, bottom half checkered, like the, well, all right, green hill zone. But still, we get it. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow it. Yes. I don't mind. It's better. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't Anthony Sloan's little definite Robin Hood look like a sprite from a game that... Yeah. It does one hundred percent. Something about how how sideways it is, how floofy the feather is in his cap. It, you know, I, I started yep. looking up games. I looked at what does the sprite for Kid Icarus look like, and it's not. And like, yeah, I don't know if There's that is about what it is. the way. Something about the way the nose yeah. doesn't stick out from the rest yeah. of the body and the outline flows directly down from the forehead around the nose. Because there's a border of how many pixels you can use yeah. to make us... And the fact that he's in mid-walk cycle. Um, mid- yeah, there's something very sprite-like about it, but I don't know if... Anthony yeah. Sloan, tell us if this was based on a sprite, because it's really... Could, yeah, you could imagine it have been some kind of little Robin Hoody sprite. Yeah. But they put Sonic in. I looked but, up uh, Super Robin Hood, I looked up various Robin Hood games, and I haven't found anything yet. Knuckles, The Ghost Ship, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. Well established now as the Knuckles three-header dream mm. team. <laughs> Even Porker Lewis's technical know-how can't help Knuckles decipher the mysteries of the floating island's ancient technology, meaning the island's protective force field remains down. And it's because of the field's absence that Captain Plunder and his sky pirates are able to crash down on the island when they're brought down by a storm while searching for the legendary ghost ship of Tantragore. <laughs> Yay! Oh, Captain what a delight! I was so I was so excited in the control zone. I forgot to mention it in the control zone when they yeah, announced I feel that it's better. this. We saved it as a surprise for the readers. <laughs> when they announced that this was the first of a six-parter of Knuckles yeah. and and Captain Plunder with, with Nigel Dobrin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we haven't had a six-part Knuckles story since uh, Chaotix. Yeah. Do you know what was weird to me when I had a thought? <laughs> it's been 20 issues since Simpson was introduced and he hasn't appeared since. Has it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 20 issues ago, you remember, because it was this, the four-part God. story of Captain Plunder's arrest and meeting Simpson in the uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. in the jail, which was published concurrently with the Lost Pyramid of Sandopolis back in issue... Um, no, you know, not tw- 24 issues ago since the last Captain Plunder story, the last ca- since the one Captain Plunder yeah, yeah. story we've had ended. That's just two issues shy of an entire year, which means I only <laughs> read that story that had Simpson in it. And yet, f- Simpson, yes, remember him so well, iconic STC creation Simpson doesn't speak a line of dialogue in this strip. Just, <laughs> but he's there, he's the first thing you see on the yeah. first page. Actually, Kind of an odd shape, this five-page story. Uh-huh. Don't you think? D- tell me why, and I'll consider it. First two pages, yeah. Captain Plunder. Yeah. They're in their big flying ship. Remember, yeah. they're, they're sky pirates. They have a yes. flying ship. And they're in a, caught in a storm because they're pursuing the ghost ship of Tantragore. But their their mast is severed by lightning and they go tumbling down. But land, ho, fortunately, the floating island is right under them. That's the first two pages. Yep. Pages three and four, we cut to Knuckles uh, inside one of the houses, big mushroom houses, in the Mushroom Hill Zone where the Emerald Hill folk are um, staying. And Porker is helping him to examine 
the damaged technology because uh, remember, we remember last episode the robot blasted up the uh, yes. blasted up the emerald chamber tech. So Porker's trying to trying to help him out, but he's not doing so well with it. It's it's beyond him, you mm-hmm. know. And then a kid comes running up to tell Knuckles that a ship has landed on the island east of the village. Yep. Knuckles heads out to investigate. Turn the page to the last fifth and final page huge splash page mm. as if it's a surprise that it's Captain Plunder and his crew. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that looks like a surprise for the reader, whereas it's just yeah, a surprise for Yeah, but Knuckles. it's not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah okay, so I get that, ship. actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we didn't need the first two pages if this was the last page. While I agree with that, I really like that we got them because they make for a really cool little prequel there's something about a boat splashing around in a storm. What do I mean? Not splashing around. Being a boat, a ship being whipped around in a storm. Maybe I'm thinking of the Gulliver's Travels movie I watched a lot as a very young child. But. A ship being thrown around in a storm is a good little intro, good little prequel to something. And then you cut to the, the lovely calm elsewhere. Get the title card up after that. Yeah. You, you probably finish it with the lightning bolt severing the mast. Yes. And you then you cut away. Yeah. But but the way this chooses to end is with three extra panels after the lightning bolt severs the mast that actively shows them landing on the floating landing island. Landing on the floating island, yeah. <laughs> if well, you left that bit off, it would make it would make sense. Maybe part of why I like it is look at it. Oh my god, <laughs> look at it. Though. Look at what he's giving us. The, so what we've got here is uh, basically what we got here is Nigel Dubbin drawing something and in this case what he's drawing is a storm in the sky with a ghost ship that is yeah. only ever like you only ever see a glimpse of it between the parting yep. clouds as the lightning lights it up with this amazing what he's done he's done a trick here right which is that the first page of the strip and it opens so that the first page is a left hand page so we're getting a double page spread and the first page uh, the first panel in fact is a nice big one big square panel Captain Plunder's like rest with the wheel there's lightning in the sky Simpson walking along uh, having made his tail into an umbrella because he's a cartoon yes, if you're just it. joining Brilliant. us Simpson is an, an in-universe cartoon cat yes he's a Felix the cat type mm. old world 1930s black and white animated um, character yeah uh, yeah who can morph parts of his body and yes. make light bulbs appear over his head right and yes, stuff like that yeah. when he has an idea and in fact the next time we see him he'll be balancing his own nose on his head just for something to do oh yes so he is yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know <laughs> That's nice, isn't it? Hey, brilliant. Um, and so the alignment of that is it's this big square panel that takes up most of the first page. And then there's two more very, very square panels under it. And that creates this brilliant contrast with the very next panel, which is a big, tall vertical slice down the side of the page. It makes it look huge and tall and IMAX as you look up past this whole ship and you can't see the ends of it, which further emphasizes the tallness of the panel. Up through the clouds, through the storm, through the lightning, and there's this ghost ship just poking through up there. Absolutely brilliant work, which of course allows him to then do a series of smaller panels down the side of that, telling the whole of the rest of the scene in, an, in a sort of an action sequence. Just amazing work there. And it's all beautiful, and it's all painted and uh. watercolored and 
God, it's good. Like, he doesn't draw Captain Plunder the same way Richard no. Elson draws Captain Plunder. He draws him his own way, and it still looks right. Look at that shot there on page one where we see all his individual wonky teeth. Mm, yeah. You scurvy swab. Not quite enough Filch and Simpson in this for my taste. Yes. Still. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. still. They'll, 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 yeah, future it's gonna be, We've got another five issues. We'll have them. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I love the way, like, I would go so far as to call it off-model, but I don't care. I love the way he draws Porker Lewis. Oh, yes. Cosgrove Hall, again, almost sort of energy <laughs> yes. about the way Porker's been drawn there. Yes. And I, his, we don't get a clear look at it, but it does seem like he's wearing a t-shirt that just says... Oink! Across the mark. Yeah. yeah. There's, that could equally be, he's a pig, so he's got a t-shirt that says oink. Or it could be a reference to oink, the comic. The and comic, I don't, yeah. I don't know which it is. Headcanon, it's that he's a keen reader of oink comic, but yeah. that's where he got an oink t-shirt, which he got because he's a pig. <laughs> that's just where you could get them from. Well, it's definitely, I mean, did you, you've, you saw the sign on his door, right? <laughs> ham, sweet ham. <laughs> ham, sweet ham. Come on. I mean... That's just you're just scoring easy points off me now. <laughs> like, like that's all it takes. That'll yeah. do for me. Like, and ham, because so, ham sounds like home. And yes, that's all I need. That's all I need out of a joke. Yeah, and he's a pig because he's a pig. You get it? Ham like a pig. Like ham. a pig's ham. And of course. The scene is of him working on some tech. So some of the tech is a Sega Mega Drive. It says Yay. Sega on it and everything. Interesting thought, though. Oh, I. This does feel like it has jumped into the future a little bit. I know, because of yes. what he says on the next page. Yes. Uh, Porker says that his days as an adventurer are over. All the stuff with the Brotherhood of Metallics was a little too much for me. So he's come to live on the floating yeah. island. Well, they don't they don't specifically say he's come to live on no. the floating island, but he's got a freaking house there with a, what appears to be a family portrait, and he's put up a ham sweet ham sign. So he's got a house. He's, he's come to live here. Now, generally, I try and like reduce or remove as much as possible times when we talk about what's going to happen in the future of the comic. Yes. Half because I know a lot of people are reading along with this for the first time. I don't want to spoil it. But half because... What's worse than hearing a couple of know-it-all men going off about how much comics law they know? But this, we've got to address. <laughs> yeah, because, well, that, they, some of the scenes from that issue are pretty famously shared yes. around as, as bad, out-of-context examples of Sonic being... Knows. Yes. There will be a story very soon over in the Sonic strip where Porker, you know, calls it quits, decides to leave the Freedom Fighters mm. and come to live on the floating island. Very dramatically. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. But mm. here's... Here, and I, I wouldn't even flag it up normally. Here's the interesting thing. It's in two issues time. Mm. Nigel Kitching writes Smokey and the Bad Nick next issue, and then the Porker issue. If we hadn't Haven't had a had Mark Miller filler and a Lou Stringer issue, if we just had two more issues of Lou Stringer, it would have been in this issue. Huh. And then the Sonic strip would have flowed directly into the Knuckles. So we don't know. We don't know when they were writing these things and how and they had uh. that, this is what i'm saying like it is weird sometimes to think of them as the freelancers just sending the scripts in yeah. but then some shit like this happens and it's yeah. like yeah well they were just sending the scripts yeah, in and yeah. it was up to the people in charge to actually figure out how to roll them out and sometimes they didn't quite get it right huh didn't think of it that way two issues mm. well, there you go that, that's the whole question answered, isn't it? But whenever you're chronologically arranging your reading order for mm. later you know just mm. remember that's got to come before this. <laughs> yeah. Still, you know, okay, we haven't had the dramatic story that mm. properly explains why he's had this decision yeah. to its full dramatic extent. But knowing that it's coming, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of happy for Porker. I know. Because now he just, he's just 
he, he's got a, he knows a little mushroom house now with a picture of his mum and dad. With a picture of his mum and dad. Ham side up. <laughs> yeah, he's he's having such a lovely little life. Hmm. Okay, so we're already talking about like Dobbin and his details. That panel where it's just, it's like the first panel of the penultimate page and it's just Knuckles saying, oh, you built quite a village here. Nigel Dobbin has managed to fit into that panel the door of the house they've just come out of, presumably, Mm -hmm. a few more mushrooms with doors and windows in, some kids splashing in puddles, a woman hanging up some clothes, uh, a couple of people... I assume she's taking the clothes in. Oh, no, you're right there. Because the rain's on. You're right there because the rain's on. Details! Yeah. A couple of people, one of whom's got an umbrella, just sort of lounging around against a fence in the background. The... He he just fills the place up with bits and bobs. And that's, you know, we've already established that what he draws always looks good. This is a slightly different thing, which is like Andy's filling them up with bits to see. Brilliant. A little bit Casanovas. Yes. And so then, yes, we do get this final full page picture, which, yes, I suppose is an unusual way to go about things. But I don't care because I get a full page picture. It is a nice full page. And it's of mostly Captain Plunder saying, Oh, well, if it isn't Knuckles, this be good fortune indeed, me old mate, because I be needing a little favour. And there he is, filling up the panel. Oh, his little robot parrot thing has fallen asleep. Or silver parrot. Yeah, look at it there. Just sleeping on his shoulder. Dead centre of the panel. Yeah, Simpson's painting a sign or something. something. And we don't see what it is. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, wait. What? Is Captain Ponder posing for a portrait? <gasps> oh, is Simpson painting Captain oh, Ponder's portrait? He might be. <laughs> he really might be. <laughs> he might be. He genuinely might. I hope that it carries through to the first page of the next issue, just as a gag. Mm. We see what Simpson's doing, yeah. but but it, it does. He's got because he's got his thumb up, and I, I think I think he actually I think he is. I think he's painting Captain Ponder's he is. portrait. <laughs> yeah, he's got. His, yeah, he's not painting the sign because he's got his thumb up and his tongue out. If he just yeah. had his thumb up, that'd be like hello. But if he's got his thumb up and his tongue out. He's looking at his subject. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. Oh, my Brilliant. God. Love it. What a great little oh. touch in the background. Like, not a single line of dialogue, but three great little funny background yeah. bits from this character. We've said it before, like, he's a really weird addition to the world of Sonic. <laughs> oh, but not to the world of Captain Plunder. It, like, his weirdness is the point of him. Yeah within the scope of Captain Plunder stories, but it is weird that he... Because Captain Plunder is is a weird kind of orc walrus man and Filch is a lizard sort of thing and Simpson is this cartoon cat thrown into the middle of this. I don't know if Simpson ever meets Sonic, but... (laughs) Now I want Simpson to meet Sonic. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Sonic would be exhausted just looking at him. (laughs) Speaking of Filch, there's Filch. I don't love his rendition of Filch, I have to be honest. Elson dominates there, that one for Mm -hmm. me, I have to say. There's something just, something weirdly narrow-headed and narrow-eyed about his Filch that I'm not not Mm -hmm. loving. And a lot of pirates shouldering a lot of grog off the boat. Four whole axes. Yeah. Oh, wow, you're right. On the side of that barrel. <laughs> Pure, actively pornographic level of alcohol in that barrel. <laughs> Next issue, never make deals with a pirate. Oh, 
I'm I'm really mm. looking forward to more of this. I got a, a six part Knuckles yeah. and Captain Plunder story. Like that's the most number of issues Captain Plunder yeah. will have appeared in in a row at any point up to now. I'm so glad that it's here because one of the things one of the things we've been worrying about. We closed something of a book a couple of issues ago as the old Brotherhood of Metallics thing closed, and yeah, we've had this little worry that with a bit of Miller filler and this and that, until things like Running Wild kick off, are we going to have anything interesting to read? And the answer is yes, and it's this. Uh, quite possibly yes like i don't remember what all the sonic stories are between no, then and now it doesn't matter except for the porker one coming up but but uh, oh yeah the porker yeah. one so that actually is a bit of a highlight yeah but whatever they put in sonic for us we've got this six issue run of knuckles that's gonna be great i can't wait yeah i think this is gonna be great crack and i'm really looking forward to it because i don't dave no I don't no. know. I don't know what no, happened. I mean, either. I haven't got the first you idea. I have remember. read this. Yeah. You know, I read it as an adult. Yeah. So I might as well not have. We have been <laughs> gifted an impossible thing here. We have a new Knuckles Captain Plunder story with this team. It might as well be new for us. Yeah, it and really here might. It is. It's such a gift, and I can't wait to read it. Just a madman. Just a pain it's a repeat of the top and bottom half and half page from last issue with the ad for the Knuckles Knockout Special at the top. On sale date not changed. Still says the 6th of <laughs> April. Does not reflect the altered date from the control zone. Putting the light as something they've already printed in this very issue. Okay. And uh, the bottom half is the Mars egg ad that we saw from before. And when we turn the page, we see the second half of the rabbit crossing out the work rest and play. But the little, uh, the little rule that has been crossed out is different because last ah. issue... Be in bed by 8pm was crossed out. And this issue, it's take the rubbish out. And that's been crossed out. Because why would you have responsibilities? Let that filth fester in the corner of your kitchen. No work, no rest, all play. Eat Mars, consume. Eat chocolate, yeah. Yep, just a brief advert there leading us into the... Like last issue, we've got double page spread here, and the bottom half of the right-hand page is the Mars Bar rabbit egg thing. Mm. Uh, so we have a page and a half of computer-drawn artwork. We've seen a few, we've had a few computer-drawing-themed graphic zones before, but now they've dedicated a whole one to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the first one here, this is a three-peat. This is the third image in the comic by Leo Suarez Perringer of San Francisco, USA. I knew! I knew that I recognised the name. I don't remember uh, both his previous ones. He previously drew that very impressive copy of the Metal Sonic render. Oh, that was him! I flipping loved that one. You see, I should have recognised the hand of a cellist in that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's odd, then, to look at the one that he's offered up this issue... Because it's, it's it's not well. as good. Uh, no, it's not it's, as good, is it? No, it's a yes. It's a it's a drawing more what you would expect from a, a young boy on a computer, basically. Yeah, it's a perfectly good drawing of Knuckles copied from the sprite. It's the bit in Sonic Three and Knuckles where he's pushing the big crystal rock down the stairs in the mm, what in the hidden palace zone. The hidden palace zone, and it even says at the bottom the hidden palace zone mm. with a little colon after it. The hidden palace zone colon. And we'll never know what else it's going to say. It says something under there, but uh, yeah. it's been cut off. Huh. Why would they cut it off? Maybe it says, like, the Hidden Palace Zone, I f***ing hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to cut it off. But what's interesting is the background, really. Uh, I mean, you say interesting. It is! What? There's so a it's treasure got... chest and a jam. Right. I'll tell you why that's interesting, because neither of those are in the Hidden Palace Zone. Yeah. It's just the sort of stuff you get in a hidden underground palace. If you like. I've never been to one. Oh, you should. It's great fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's a sort of Master Emerald, isn't it? I don't know if that gem yeah, is meant yeah. to be the Master Emerald or not. But yes, then there's just a generic treasure chest that's open and sparkles coming out. Hi, Addendum. Uh, this is dropped in a few days before the episode goes out. So do you remember that when we were doing the Pixel Zone, uh, we noted that we had a recurring guest? We had a, a picture from a Leo Suarez Perringer, who you remembered was the... Uh, Three times! The, yes, the contributor of that Metallics done on MS Paint. Like, yeah. From San Francisco, USA. Well, I found a contact for just such a person. Mad bastard! And I thought I'd just—I thought I'd just shoot off an email, just in the off chance. I was like, you know what? You might not be interested in this. This might be embarrassing. If it's embarrassing, we simply will not mention it. It's fine. But if you want to say anything about this, and Chris, no, I'm so happy to say to you that I got an email. No, from Leo Suarez Perringer. Yes, mum, mum, the mums are even better. Here is Jennifer Perringer, <laughs> who has written to us to say this. Hi, Dave. Yeah, amazing. You got the right Leo. I forwarded the email to Leo, but he's not generally the chatting sort, so I'm not sure that he'll respond. <laughs> I'm happy to share my memories with you, however. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> so, right. Boomers, get your mums to write to us. We don't care about you anymore. Oh my God. Yeah, it's all about the mums now. <laughs> what we want is the experience of what it was like to be a Sonic fan's mum in the 90s. The influence of mums is red large yeah. across STC oh, they're with all the knitted jumpers, jumpers and the cakes yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you our feed. If any mums want to make STCDP mums... <laughs> I will host that. Do a Mother's Day special issue just with all the letters and stuff <laughs> yes. sent in by the mums. Which ones have you won the uh, Coronation Street t-shirt competition? <laughs> <laughs> Leo was born in London and was first exposed to Sonic and video games in general when he went to visit his cousins in San Jose when he was about five years old. Drawing Sonic the Hedgehog quickly replaced drawing Popeye as his favourite drawing activity. A kindred <laughs> spirit indeed, dear. I know! Um, Leo, I'm a fan of the film, you see, and so I used to draw him a lot when I was little. Um, and he gained fame in his first grade classroom for his sonic drawings upon his return to London. I guess that's when we started subscribing to the magazine. We moved to San Francisco a few years later. From drawing Sonic, he moved into a virtuosic childhood period of original Ooh. comic story creation. We in this lovely. Yeah. We want to see some of the original comics, uh, which lasted until adolescence when he shifted to music as his primary creative outlet. We had a family band for a while and have both moved on to other projects now. And before you, uh, listeners, before you raise an eyebrow, I specifically invited them to plug stuff. So, my work as a pianist is described at jenniferperringer.com. My chamber music group is bernalhillplayers.com. Leo's work as a cellist, bassist, improviser, and composer can be found by googling him as Leo Perringer or Leo Suarez. Here are a few links to YouTubes of him, and she sent us, like, six different videos of the guy, and two of his band, the Sour Mash Hug Band. Good name, love it. Yeah. So yeah, eight separate videos she sent me of Leo being a good boy. I flippin' love this! Get your mums to write in! <laughs> in fact, I'm just gonna write to your- I'm gonna write to all of your mums. 
I've still got their addresses in my book. <laughs> Enjoy! And thanks for reaching out. It's fun to remember this stuff. He really loved Sonic. From Jennifer Perringer, proud mother of Leo. And then Chris, she's, she's sent a photo. <laughs> this is the best thing that has ever happened on this show. Do you see why I had to get you on board, to get you out of bed? Immediately, <laughs> yes. Look at this. Oh, bless. I know! <laughs> That's his author photo. Yeah, it's a professional musician headshot of him mm. with his cello. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? This is one of the best things that has ever <laughs> happened on this show. I know. To just, I mean, it's a bit stalkery on our part to, yes, to just well, spot a name thing. and then hunt yes. them down like that. Yes, it is. And that's why, I it, trust me, that in my email, I was really, really nice and like, don't worry about it. We don't have to talk about this. I will say not a word about it if you don't want me to. But not only did his mum write back, but Leo wrote back as well. Oh, you got one from Leo? Too? Yeah, I got one from Leo here. Oh, this, is, this is, this is, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> he says, lol, I love it. <laughs> While I don't really do interviews, if I can help it, I'm not the chatty type. That's interesting, isn't it? They both said, oh, I think, wait, I think I said, if you're not the chatty type. I think I may have fed that line to them both. But I can at least give you a little bit of backstory. So here comes the same story, but from Leo's own mouth. I was born in London in 1985, and I lived there until 1992. My mum is American, and my dad's Colombian, but both were living in London at the time. I played Sonic 1 at my cousin's place in America, we were visiting from London in 1991, and it blew my mind. The bright colours, fluid motion, ridiculously catchy music, and of course, the sheer speed. It was a rush, unlike anything I had experienced, and I was immediately obsessed. So I begged my mum for a Sega, I begged and begged, and then begged some more, but to no avail. Oh. Reasonably sceptical uh, approach from mum there, you know? Because you never know at first, right? True. My mum was the same. You know, I didn't get mine until 96, was it? Or 95, Christmas 95. <laughs> In the meantime, I consumed all the Sonic-related media I could find. When I moved to San Francisco with my mum, I still didn't have a Sega, but I did have a subscription to STC. So I wonder if they, like, updated their subscription address, and now the people at Tavistock Place are going like, oh. We have to pay. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I was I was wondering how the comic was getting over there. Yeah. By that point, I was invested in the stories, and I don't think I was even aware of the American comic. Yes, there you That's go. the stuff to live in America and to not be aware of it. And then he says, I did eventually get that Sega, and in a deft move that I wish I knew the secret behind, he here in lines a photograph right in the middle of the email in the appropriate time. This is I want to know how to do that. I don't know how to do it. I know how to attach them. And it's a photo of all of his Mega Drive games, all like laid out, all like laid spread out on the carpet. <laughs> oh, one that's one for the photo zone. Yep, there's loads. Uh, 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 there's like 23 games. Of course, all the Sonics. Are. Of course. As it turns out, I'm still a gamer, and I still love classic Sonic. Those old carts are still in regular rotation. I loved Sonic Mania, and oh, I even got yes. into some fan games. Oh, he's he's deeper than me. And then he says. If you haven't checked out Sonic Robo Blast 2, <laughs> hey, Leo, I'm going to be replying to this one to tell him That's why I'm laughing. That's the one he's in. Folks. That's the one I helped to make. Um, do yourself a favor, IMO, it's better than official 3D Sonic games. Oh, yeah, and music stuff, I guess. I am a full time musician and composer. Ah, cool. 
if uh, SDC the band ever rescind our ability to use their theme tune, we'll get another one made. <laughs> Come to Leo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm currently working on a series of classical-ish pieces for solo cello, my main instrument. There are two pieces up on my very small, dead in the water, YouTube channel. Let's plug that. Okay, let me open that. His YouTube channel is... It's Leo Perringer. P-E-R-I-N-G-E-R. -E -E Go and look for that. Leo Perringer. He says, I've also dabbled in electronic music. Here's a project I've been doing with my friend on and off for years. And that is a SoundCloud link to something called... And you get everything. By the way, if you get your... If your mum writes into STCTP, you get to plug everything on STCTP. <laughs> it's a lot. There's no yeah. limit to the number of things. <laughs> Glass Insect, it's called, with... Uh, oh, names I can't pronounce. Uh, Lumbering Giant and Banish, I can pronounce, so go and look for that. I'm not so good at Phthalocyanine Green G. But uh, yes, if you find that, that's Leo. Some of those tracks were originally conceived as game music. Feel free to share any or all of this and let me know if you have any questions. Leo Perringer, and he sent me a video of him playing Glacier on his cello. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Leo's mum. Thank you. Especially thank so you, Leo's mum, you know, because that's a level above what we've achieved before, I think. There's just something about the transportative nature of this podcast in the 1990s, <laughs> back to the 90s, yeah. that is amplified tenfold by having your mum send the ladder in for you. <laughs> I know. I know. I really do like this one from Katie McKenna in Burtum that's below it. Oh, yeah. In which it's Tails is being chased by Knack the Weasel. Oh, he's throwing a brick at him or something. Yeah, a brick or a rock or something. Could be a coconut. And it's done in a sort of angular, wobbly style yeah. that I genuinely can't decide yeah. if it's just the result of the limited ability that one has to draw on a computer, yeah. whether it's by using straight lines or a mouse or whatever. Or if it's copied from something. Yeah, because doesn't it look kind of kooky 90s-y? Yeah, sort of like, it really does. Is this what Ed, Ed and Eddie looked like? So Something like that, where it's I kind mean, of... not really, but I follow the path you're on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, what it probably is, is a kid who's taken the limitations of their ability to draw with a mouse and just turned them into pure style. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's Tails running from Knack mm -hmm. with his tongue hanging out, and he's holding something, but yes. God help you if you can tell what it is. Um, could be a fish, could be a wrench, could be a dagger, could be anything. It could be an American-style wrench, couldn't it? Yeah. And if it is, we have our answer. It's copied from something. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. It's the fact that the scenario would be copied from something else. And then, yeah, Knack's chasing him and lobbing a brick after him or something. Right, here's something interesting about the brick. Look at the left end of it. It's got three evenly spaced dots in a triangle. I wonder if it's supposed to be a coconut. Oh, it really could be a coconut, because then isn't that... A, would those be the leaves of a palm tree just poking in in the top right there? Uh-huh. But yeah. And she shaded it. Look at the darker purple on the right-hand side of Knack. Yeah, yeah. Which seamlessly goes into the shade on his shoes. No, this is an artist kid. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good drawing. It's nice to look at. I just like looking at it. There's something very appealing about it. The sea up in the top left corner, because it's kind of a you know isometric sort of view, they call yeah. it in games. I don't know what they call it in anything else. And so the sea is this, like... A series of bands up in the corner, which are all subtly different shades of blue or sea colour or whatever. This, this is great. And then, you know, at the sort of opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> but still beautiful. Oh, yeah. Robin Cotley from Tamworth yeah. has done Up the Creek with Megadroid, and it's Megadroid in a 
brown tub on a river, I guess, yeah. or something. And it's just a squiggle of blue across the bottom with some green lumps in the background representing hills. And it might as well be Mr. Happy. Yes! Megadroid. It, yeah. I love it. I just, I love Yep. Regardless of quality, see and drawings of Megadroid, and 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 <laughs> to see Megadroid with just a nice big smile on his face, looking so happy in his little boat. This is old brand yellow Megadroid, by the way, not yes. current brand Megadroid. So probably quite an old drawing, and probably Robin Cotley. It's a couple of years now. He's probably annoyed that this old drawing <laughs> be. has been sent. It's like, oh, draw better than that now. Being saved for uh, a computer-themed graphic zone that took this long to come around. I think I said he there, but I think it's probably she, because it's Robin with a Y, which is generally a girl, and Robin. not with an I. Not with an I. What's that from? What's that from? I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> it's from something on CBBC. Robin... Isn't that a boy's name? No, no. For it is Robin with an I, and Robin with a Y, and not with an I. What is that from? I don't know. It's Listeners, boomers, if anybody knows. Oh, you don't know? No, I'm asking you. Like... Well, it's not Maid Marion, because that was Robin with an I. Yeah. And I'd remember it. What was on? How old are we talking? I want to say early 90s, but uh, like, it's impossible to know that sort of thing. Robin. It'd be a random episode of like that thing where it's a choir at a church, or that thing oh, where... Uh, I, uh, what was that called? I remember that one, but no, it's <laughs> before know. then. Right. I remember it's not Julia Jekyll or the Wild House or something. It's something I'll have actually watched a lot of from earlier. No, I'm afraid Google is not no, yielding you're not, me. You're not going to get it. With a Y that. and not with an I. You'll never get it. No Boolean operator is saving me there. That's a shame. <laughs> I really thought somebody else would have known what that was. Surely somebody out there knows what yeah, that was. Yeah, come on, boomers. One of you. I should have known, but I don't. One of you will know. Yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you, Dave. All we have to do is work out what had a character in it that was a girl called Robin with a Y. But I feel like that character was guesting that episode i think it was just a one uh, episode thing and the character was just guesting and there was like robin like robin hood and that a bloke and she's like no no i think she was robin with a y hood i think that was the guy oh actually. i think well, that's the character that. was in the program i'm gonna yeah, google that now this appears to be a joke lots of people have done this is the thing yeah no that yields nothing either but i think that was the gag robin hood appeared and everybody was like but you're a woman and they're like yes mm. Because it's Robin with a Y and not with an I. And that was that was that episode and that was the joke. And they said that a few times. And if anybody knows what that is from, I actually would sleep a little easier knowing now. If you could tell me, please. I don't like not knowing. Because <laughs> I've never forgotten it. I just don't remember what it was in. Wait. There is a Robin Hood with a Y in an episode of Teabag. Oh, f that's probably it. Teabag of all things. That's got to be it, hasn't it? Robin! Robin Hood! <gasps> Who are you? Are you called? No, I called for Robin Hood. I am Robin Hood. Now what are you doing creeping around here? How can you be Robin Hood? You're a woman. Well, it's Robin with a Y and not Robin with an I. Now what do you want, scurvy knave? There it was. There it that is! That was it. <laughs> Detective work live on the air. Stand down, boomers. Stand uh, down! It was from Teabag <laughs> and the Pearls of Wisdom, episode 8, Cedric Sackbutt's Search for a Song. We've talked about Teabag on this show before, right? Must have done. Teabag was a show where a girl was sent to places like into a board game or into mirrors and I don't think we have talked about it, you know. It was about a witch and her name was Teabag, the letter yeah. T, bag. 
and she was always out to get items of power. Get stuff, yeah. And it was this poor lassie's job to find them first. And sometimes it was letters. Bells. Or crystals. Or in the case of this one, pearls. Numbers for a clock. And they were always like, each individual series was a complete set of gubbins to collect. And she collected yep. them. And the teabag would be banished back into the teapot she lived in or got stuck in at the end of every yeah. series. And then her unwilling minion t-shirt yes. would always wind up freeing her in some capacity at the start of the next series. It was a little boy with a backwards baseball cap. Ranging up to a giant towering man with a backwards baseball cap. Got the old. Yeah, the girl got changed out for new girls as it went along. Teabag got swapped out. Yeah. There were two teabags. There were two teabags, yeah. yeah. The first one was the tea stood for Tabitha, and then the sister was Tallulah. Tallulah yes. bag. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. It, yeah. But the thing is, I think I think his name was like John, I want to say Hasler was T-shirt. And he was just a really good child actor, so you know, they kept him. There aren't many of them. No, that's the thing. I have seen him live. Doing what? Because he played Timon in the Lion King tour. Really? Yeah, he was oh, great! He was really good! <laughs> So that's your 90s digression for this episode. <laughs> Robin with a Y, not with, with an I. I. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe that. Right, quick, let's get to the rest of the pixels. <laughs> nice chap all over again. Right. Above the Megadroid one by Robin with a Y is um, somebody who hasn't sent in their full details. And it's just a, a nice, quite a nice drawing, actually. Yeah, a well-accomplished drawing of, uh, of Sonic. Just Sonic yeah. himself with some used spray cans at his feet. And below that is written in freehand, Sonic was ear. It's very high resolution, that one, isn't it? It is rather, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of screen's this guy working on? Maybe they sent the disc in? Well, yeah, but still. Unless it's done in vectors, and they've printed it out with their vector software. But I doubt a child... I don't know how to use vectors now. Because you know Leo Suarez Perringer was sending printouts over. Yes, and needs his printer fixing. And Katie McKenna's <laughs> looks printed as well. Yes, but with a perfectly good printer this time. Yes, but... This one looks like it could have come off the disc. Yeah. Kevin Prothero over on the right here from Barn in Northampton. Just lives in a barn. Yeah, just from a, the barn in Northampton. That one barn they have there. Whenever he turns up scruffy, someone says, what, did you grow up in a barn? And he goes, yes, I did. Yeah, I did and he gets away with it. <laughs> it's Sonic on a date with um, a girl hedgehog. Not Amy, even though Not it is Amy. a pink hedgehog. She's a very hot pink, red, almost red. Mm. Her spikes are all done up in a big, long purple ponytail. Yeah, it's spikes. like she's dyeing them at the back, shadow style. And she's got an earring and lipstick and breasts and high heels yes. and a skirt, so that's how you know she's a girl. The breasts particularly emphasise because she's in a, a very skimpy number. Yes, she's in a bikini top, basically. Yeah. I, there's, mm, I appreciate mm. that... Kevin has acknowledged that he's had to place this girl yes. hedgehog in clothes. Yes. And therefore has made the decision to place Sonic in clothes. Yes. And put him in a pair of shorts. I did think Sonic was wearing a nappy. A nappy. There's something nappy-ish about it, isn't yes. there? I think it's because it's a sort of a light grey that it, it doesn't... Nothing about the drawing looks like a nappy, but out of the corner of no, your eye... No, it's just that he's... It's when the you only first thing that's different it. about him. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. not wearing a shirt or anything else. And that's how you draw, like... Babies, they don't wear other... That's the nappy it. is the only article of clothing. And let's be honest, we're not brave enough to Google that particular <laughs> sentence. But there is an infinite amount of artwork of that available freely on the internet. <laughs> Check your local Google outlet. 
service charges may apply. <laughs> Psychological ones. I was thinking more OnlyFans ones. <laughs> and then we're rounded out Finally. with... Finally. This is lovely, this. Jonathan Arundel, or Arundel, from Chelliston. And he's done a slightly dodgy Sonic with his arms spread wide. Just a kind of off-brand... To be honest, just looks like the Sonic ice cream. <laughs> it does a bit because he's got very large blue pupils in a in a Mega Droid style Mega Drive controller shaped eye. He's done the eyes upside down. That's what's happened there. Uh, well, he's he's sort of curving them around the, the nose. nose as well. So, yeah. He's he's noticed they curve and hasn't really fully mm. taken in why. And he's got his arms flung wide. Yeah. And it says a big hedge hug is the mm. caption STC have put on it. Because that is what it looks like, yeah. And you can see he's trying to get to grips with the form, but he's just not quite there yet. You know, he's done a circle for the palm and the fingers. Very, you know, very well arranged. The fingers are all like equidistantly arranged on the hands. They look Yes, good, you know? the hands are quite good. I think, And I think he's then mirrored the whole arm to do another one on the other side because he doesn't want to have to do that again. Quite probably, quite probably, yeah. God, drawn on computers was well. Drawn on computers is still weird. It's still, no, it's hard still now. sorcery to me. I don't know, but but it's hard. To, I can't even imagine how you were doing this stuff back then. I can't. I don't. I don't. Like, I, yeah. With without tablets, uh, tablets, I can un- at least I, I I can't use them, but I can understand them because mm. you put pen down and you draw, draw a line, thing, yeah. and line is there. You draw. I can't with the mouse and sh- no yeah. witchcraft. These kids are all geniuses and irrespective of the quality of the images they've produced it's more than i could have ever accomplished in 1996 with a computer so fair play one and all well deserved your packs of crayola overwriters <laughs> the curse of zeon part two written by nigel kitching art by martin griffiths colors by gina hart letters by tom frame in ribble an agent of the king, and secretly a disciple of the demon Zeon, brings the archaeological excavation to an abrupt end. Meanwhile, on Grand Seal Island, which does exactly what it says on the tin, the robot <laughs> Zink. <laughs> the robot Zink warns Maximilian, the adventurer who sealed Zeon away long ago, that the demon's return is imminent. Max proposes that his grandson, David Bowie, form a new shining force of heroes to combat Zeon, as he once did. Whereupon, another of Zeon's disciples, Baron Kadavar, and his golem servant smash their way into the house, subdue Bowie and Taya, capture Zink, and prepare to kill Max. There's a lot going on, <laughs> is. isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I gather that... Well, a lot of liberties have been taken by Kitching with what little he had of yeah. the video game story basis to work with here. I doubt he but played through an entire JRPG exactly, to write Exactly, yes. But Max is the hero of the first Shining Force game. Yes. Uh, and, and Bowie and is the Bowie hero is from the of second the second. Shining. Mm, and when I looked that up to check, I saw people going like, "Is Ma- I'm eating an apple round, it's really nice. I saw people going, um, is Bowie Max from the first game's son? And here it's his grandson. I think the replies were like, people like to think he is, but he isn't. <laughs> yes, according to the encyclopedia. <laughs> Brilliant. The second Shining Force game is unrelated to the original in terms of plot. Yes. It is set in the Grand Seal Kingdom and opens with a thief stealing the stones of light and dark, unintentionally unleashing the evil of the ages, or Zeon, as his friends call him. 
and it's up to Bowie and his friends to travel the land, etc., etc. It does say, while the plots of Shining Force 1 and 2 are unrelated, a Japanese Game Gear release called Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict tied both stories together. Oh. I don't know how, because that's not in the book. <laughs> so I don't know if Kitching was working off of anything that was telling him this, or if it was just... F because, as I gather it, Zeon isn't in the first... That's not the enemy of the first Shining Force game that the character of Max defeats. So Also, what's interesting is that Shining Force 2, which this seems to be mostly based on, is in fact the fifth Shining Force game. So goodness knows where any of this comes from. Yeah, hold on. I gotta, there, there, there's more in here. <laughs> Shining Force is the sequel to Shining, Shining in, in the, the Darkness. darkness. Hmm. So if you're counting that... And Shining Force Gaiden on the Game Gear... And Shining Force, the Sword of Hajia, also on the Game Gear. So there were two Game Gear. Ah, so there were two okay. Game Gear. Right, there we go. That solves that. Yeah. That. Yep. And none of that has any bearing <laughs> on what's going on here. Yep. <laughs> Unless it does. I'm not playing them through to find out. No, absolutely not. But I couldn't find any <laughs> hits for Baron Kadavar. So that oh, seems shame. To be that's the best that's, name. I know, right? That seems to be something Nigel Kitching. That's Kadavar with two A's. It's a simple trick. Okay, don't forget it starts with a K, too. That's, that's probably the more important of the linguistic tweaks. <laughs> so, uh, where does one even... I mean... Where, where do we begin? <laughs> uh, do you know, I can't remember if I enjoyed this. I mean, the, the point of it is Zinc tells Max, ooh, watch out, Zeon's coming back. And mm. Max is like, well, I guess my grandson will form the new Shining Force. And Taya's like, yes, of course, the grandson of the original mm. hero. And he's like, no, uh, no, no, no. I just want to <laughs> stay home and play video games or whatever, you know. I don't want this responsibility, thanks. By the way, we were wondering last episode whether... Zinc looks like this in the game or not. So I looked he him up and not. He, he does not. No. There <laughs> is, though, if you Google Shining Force Robot. Okay, hang on. There's a robot who I wouldn't say looks like him, but the aesthetics of it, it's got kind of like that chimney design going on. But I don't know if that's a coincidence or what, you know. Yeah. The actual guy called Zinc is like a, a tall, thin guy with half his face obscured by a giant crusader uh, shield. Yes, I don't think they had much in the way of reference no. to work off of uh, for this. But that makes it more interesting. Yes, I, I think I'm enjoying mm. it more. A JRPG broken down into the form of a British comic. And to be honest, like, I probably find it more interesting to read about yeah. in that form, you know? There's a lot of... Uh, classical Star Wars-y, Arthurian-y, you know, chosen one destiny tropes at play here, you know, except the kid is like, oh, no, no thanks, actually. So I don't know to what extent Nigel Kitching is just writing his own fantasy story here. That's the question, yeah. I don't even know if the stuff about the, you know, modern-day weaponry is from it. I bet it is. I don't feel like I have a lot to say about this. Like, it's just, no. it's just hero's journey, ancient evil returning, young relative of original hero must rise to the challenge as the forces of evil marshal. It's fine, though. Like, I yeah. enjoyed it. I oh, just yeah. don't really have anything to say about it. Well, that is something to say, then. Because you shouldn't enjoy this. <laughs> it's fantasy. <laughs> well, not by my standards, but yeah. We get this idea that Zinc belongs to Baron Kadavar and he's tracked him to this island, you know. That robot is my property, good people. I will remove it. Taya comes in, gives him a big flying kick, and the golem just backhands her. No, it doesn't have backhands. Bowie actually sends him flying, then just gives her a full-on smack across the face, knocks her out. And then it's just fun coincidence that Baron Kadavar realises that 
the old man is Max, the hero who sealed away Zeon all those years ago. Yeah, he just goes, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, Zeon would never forgive me if I let you live. Next, the end of Max. I mean, probably not, right? Although you wouldn't know for sure. It's only because it's in STC that I think he's probably not going to die. But in the grander scheme of things, as a hero's journey adventure, for him to get bumped off by the baddies would actually be a great motivating force. Yeah, that would be fine. I, th- I think, if anything, the only problem here is the caption, because, like, we've just met Max. It doesn't really matter to us if it's the end of him or not. No, I mean, he was in last issue, too. Oh, was he? Oh, he, big was, he appeared for a panel or two in that. <laughs> oh, big pardon, then. He's his grandfather. That's all I need to know for it to mean something, you know, especially, you know, when, when I'm savvy enough to recognise the kind of tropes that are at play, I'm like, well, maybe they will kill him. Maybe they will. I guess we'll see. We'll find out. I feel like no, because this is a children's comic. But you never yeah, know. More likely they'll capture it. I feel like we've moved a little bit beyond the days of Streets of Rage and mm. Shinobi and Golden Axe where yeah. people were getting bisected by axes and having holes blown in them and executed in the street. <laughs> I feel like... In the good old days of Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. Like in the good old days, yeah. You know, for kids. Um, yeah. But it would still definitely fit with what with the kind of story they're telling here. But, uh, this would have been a cracking artist to see back then doing something, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Stylistically, he's he's very much like of a piece with those earlier days. I think this is the only thing he does for STC, yeah. regardless of what tonally it may or may not be doing. The strip itself, I think, I think we may have said already, it does feel like kind of like from an earlier time in STC. We're at the point now where strips on games that you've really only sort of heard about and not played mm-hmm. feels like a very early mm. stc thing because we didn't have mega drives and we didn't we hadn't played most of the games back then it's weird it's like as above so below it ends as it began you know <laughs> you know in the middle there we got games we got rocket knight and eternal champions and stuff and then and, and then it loops back around to golden axe that's from before I was born, mate. You know? It's kind of a perfect final Sega Superstars in that way, isn't it? It's one that bit. we're sort of disinclined to bother reading. It's just people in it. Uh- <laughs> Loops back around and closes off the Golden Axe loop. Yeah. I wish I did have more to say about it, though, yeah. because it is perfectly entertaining to read. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with this Weapons of War stuff. I mean, That's I don't think the they'll go into bit, any yeah. great bit. I mean, what does that mean Zeon was then? You know, if these have something to do with Zeon, or is this from yeah. before those times again? Have we, have we now introduced already three entirely different phases into it? Like, our, like modern day times, mm. then the future, which is the past of the fantasy world, when Max sealed Zeon away, and then the present of the fantasy world again on top. Of, I mean, probably right. The probably. world's not going to have changed to that extent in Max's lifetime. Yeah. So I'm more interested in that. But it's it's standard hero's journey stuff that's gussying up boring elf sword person fantasy stuff with a robot and a golem. You know, it's, yeah. if if you want to get me interested in something, I'm generally disinterested in. There's enough stuff going on in the margins of this that it's working. I got a robot. I got a little man made of clay. That, that's a tank there under that tarp. I don't know what's yeah. going on with that. You know, yeah, that's good. I'll work with that. Yeah. And find out how it goes, I guess. I'm looking forward to seeing how it continues out of curiosity, if nothing else. Just a Just a is this? It is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Go on then. 
It's a new subscription page. Uh, <laughs> the exciting things that we bring to you on this podcast, eh? I know. It's just been a <laughs> while, innit? Don't let this happen to your copy of Sonic the Comic. And it's a shot of Robotnik flinging papers in the air. Yeah. Now, this is pulled from the final... You know it's new because this is pulled from the final part of Return of Chaotix. Oh, is it? Through his, oh, when he was looking for his... For the self-destruct turner yeah. offer, yes. Digging through his desk drawers. Mad dictator Dr. Robotnik still has plans to sabotage copies of STC. Because what he's doing, listeners, is he's throwing pages all around him. Yeah, that's all you can see. Which in the strip is that he's getting them out of the way. But here yeah. it's like he's, you know, snuck into the printers and is tearing up the joint. <laughs> so, boomers, beat the bad egg by taking out a subscription today. And then there's a little inset, <laughs> logo-y thing of Sonic having a little run along. And a little run, <laughs> as he's known to do. He is. Just to remind you, if you hadn't figured out what comic they're talking about that you can subscribe to, there's just a tiny, tiny, almost micro-dot illustration of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> One year, £34. Yeah. Six months, £17. And it's back to... <sighs> Checks and postal orders. Yes. I don't think in my entire life I've ever done a postal order. No, same. I tell you, the more things change, though, Mm. because the bottom right of this uh, coupon, (laughs) please (laughs) tick this box if you do not wish to receive exciting information Mm. and offers from Fleetway Editions. The irony is that I would now like to receive exciting information from Fleetway Editions, But from 1996. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't want to continue with my benefits when you're trying to cancel your Amazon Prime. Like, oh my God, I hate it. It's it's so passag. I I loathe it. I genuinely hate it. And it makes me angry to think about the number of people on this earth that it's worked on. (laughs) It's the Saturn special. And I think at this point, Chris Jones has taken over the the Q zone from Mm. Dave Gibbon. Uh, We have quietly said goodbye to Mr. David Gibbon after Mm. all those years of taking the piss out of him. He swung off through the trees and we don't see him again. That we know of. He'll probably be back next issue. Yeah, you never know. Dave Gibbon probably never put his hands on a Saturn. Who knows? (laughs) He's not a real gamer. But Chris Jones has some tips for the three games that you knew were on the Saturn. That you could get on the Sega Saturn. (laughs) Yep. Yep, Daytona is one. You even know, listeners, because they're the only ones you can think of now apart from Knights, Panzer Dragoon and Virtua Fighter. Does it? There's nothing really interesting to say, unfortunately. Daytona USA is is mostly about tips on how to play the game Mm. and a few codes. Uh, Panzer Dragoon is... um... (laughs) Well, it tells you how to play Space Harrier through it. A Space Harrier mode, mode, which I assume is you, the dragon flies in a head-on Space Harrier style. Oh, it could be. It's just that because of the way that grown-ups talked about games in those days, a, for a special Space Harrier mode could mean to play Space Harrier. You know, you're right. It's you like for I mean? a super secret special bonus mega yeah. hard level on Rocket Knight Adventures that one time. Yeah, it could be, actually. Yeah, and then in the next bit, it says, finally, for a special edge in this game, activate the barrel roll mode. So just using mode to mean anything at all. It's difficult. That to... seems to be that you can barrel roll at any time by pressing a button. I guess that's a move that's only available at certain times in gameplay otherwise. Yeah, or, or you have to unlock it or something, I don't know. Virtua Fighter is a good code, though, because it gets you a stage select and you there can you alter go. the ring size. It's very straightforward to activate, too. You press up 12 times, then you go down and stun, set. Cheats used to be simple. <laughs> like this one here on Daytona right. when you're in the pits press A, B, C and start at the exact moment the pit crew remove your tyres once the race is over watch the demo and you'll see that the crew have forgotten to put the wheels back on your vehicle it's now a hover car 
is it a hover car yeah. or have you just made a glitch happen is, is that, that the wheels glitch? have disappeared yeah. you know it's not uh, yeah that's, I, I think it might be a glitch that's what i'm thinking but i definitely count those and want them to be listed in these in yes these. <laughs> had a chuckle get more horsepower from the game this is daytona still by holding up left on the d-pad along with a b x z and start this will give you access to all the cars and a metallic other than yeah. <laughs> and a metallic painted horse that you can drive around the track. Nay no kidding. Way <laughs> I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case The Diary Zone, in which uh, the, the remit of this podcast is to lift you bodily tug you through space and drop you in the 90s where we used to live and we have a couple of ways of doing that we can talk about teabag but also i have this i I like that one (laughs) i have this written record of it because i was writing down exactly what it was like to live in the 90s and well this one isn't very sonicy but chris i just want to read this to you because i what i have here for you is a perfect snapshot of 14 year old boys in 1996 holding a birthday party. I wouldn't know anything about that. I would be 13 for months, yeah? Uh, 14? Nothing. Years away, yet. I've just turned 14 and I got my Game Boy a bit late, 1996. Ooh. Towards the end of the life of the Game Boy, but I hadn't had one before and then I just got this hankering for Zelda. And it had Donkey Kong Land, and I remember. I remember on my birthday standing there in PE, right? We had PE. And do you remember? Do you remember that the gym is flooded? Oh, yes, that's right. School was destroyed. It's ruined. They're having to presumably... So you were playing pool or something? Yeah. I think what they had us do was just run around in the school hall and do some weird stuff, whatever the PE teacher could come up with that was in any way exercise hmm. I think eventually it does settle down into the aforementioned just play pool while they rebuild the gym at great expense and presumably with many delays. Oh, no. That was pro- Yeah, quite. That was probably because he ran out of ways to get us to run around and tumble about on mats and things, given that we're quite old now. But I remember lining up on this one day, all of us just stood there in the middle of the hall about to be told what to do, and I'm reaching into my bum bag, which I've still got on because I'm rude, and just reading the manual for Donkey Kong Land. <sighs> Just reading the manual, just stood there in PE reading the manual. Nobody in front of me, nothing to hide me from the teacher. I'm I'm just in this line of kids reading. And, and the, the PE teacher, who must have been so confused as to how it can be that a child can, like, this openly not want to do <laughs> PE. Normally there's a certain amount of subtlety involved, isn't there? Normally you come yeah, up with yeah. excuses. Oh, no, I forgot my kit missed. That sort of thing, yeah, which also I would do, but we were at the stage now where the teacher didn't expect me to even bother with a kit, so it was like that. Now, so I'm, there I am, I'm just I'm reading in PE, I'm just reading. And he goes, will you put that away, Mr. Bulmer? And my friend standing next to me goes, it's his birthday. <laughs> 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 it was, you know. But I, and uh... what? <laughs> Saturday the 16th of March is my birthday party. And here is here is what we did. We all made Stuart's. Stuart is a drink made by mixing together all the drinks available. That's oh. lemonade plus Coke plus Ribena plus Kiora and then mixed with some ice cream. And it froths up and it goes all lumpy. And Did your mate, Stuart, come up with it? Nearly. 
Stuart was there. He was attending the party. He was one of the guests. We christened it the Stuart, as it's thick and disgusting. <laughs> oh, Stuart. Oh, you've Poor been burned. Stuart. I don't know how you managed to go on and have a career after that I'm one. I'm so sorry, Stuart. There was nothing wrong with Stuart. He was just one of our mates. But, you know, in fact, it was he who introduced me to Poppills on the Game Gear. So I owe him that that debt. And if it, if you knew it was thick and disgusting, you know, I was going to ask, why did uh, you do it? And there we have it, you see. And it goes on. Also, Ben, Ash and Rick took Jim's famous cat splat challenge. Now, the cat splat challenge is where you make the cat splat and you consume it. This is done by... You've got a burger, first off. Obviously, uh-huh. birthday party, you've got burgers. Into the burger, you must put every mustard and relish available in the entire house. So if there's tartar sauce in the cupboard, that's going in. Mustard, so what's your ketchup. Te- no, you see, all right, listen, right. The drink thing I was willing to let go because... They're all sweet. Gross, sweet drink things is like, yeah, whatever. We all did it, all right? You're wasting a perfectly good burger there, mate, and I won't have it in this house. Well, it's a young, challenge. Young man. It's that's a not, challenge. No, I don't care if it's a challenge. That's good. There are starving <laughs> biafrans that would be grateful of that burger if you won't eat it. This doesn't make it any less of a waste of food in terms of the Biafrans, but it does make it less of a waste of a burger in terms of the guests at this party because the burgers were just coming. They were just there was a just yeah, supply of burgers. So. These were not. Right, this was, well, it this was it not a one burger one party. One kid, one burger no. situation. No, you no, know, no. The, uh, you know, you know, in in school, the uh, you know the bin where you'd scrape your leftovers. It had a picture of a little starving Ethiopian boy stuck up above it saying this child would eat what you were about to throw away. Oh, I see. Like a big exercise in guilt. So they want you to eat more of it. You're already at school. What more do they want of you? <laughs> I know, right? Jesus. I'm <laughs> Come being punished on. enough. The spam fritters weren't that great, you know? It wasn't just burgers that are available at this party. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this moment. This is a platform I've got, and I'm going to use it. I'll tell you what else was available that I've not seen in since, pff, I don't know, about 2004, anywhere in the shops, and I want them back. Rib steaks. Do you remember rib steaks? Do you remember those burgers but like rib and oh, they were covered God, in yeah, no, Chinese uh-huh. rib flavour? Yes, yes, I know the thing you mean. Give! Give me that back! A McRib. Yeah, but McRib is a really bad example of them. These were like thicker. Well, they had a yeah, real... Yeah, but it's it's the same thing. I mean, obviously like a McDonald's burger is a bad example of a burger sat next to a real <laughs> one. You know, I suppose but... you're right. Well, no, but exactly. So you could get better ones and eat them instead of McRibs. And they had very thick, um, you know, battlement style, uppy downy shape on it. Into the grooves of which all the sort of coating would gather. and So you had this lovely gunge that you could eat, and you could eat it in... Oh, it was so nice! Chippy across the road from me used to do them. Until it changed hands many years ago. I don't know how long ago we're talking. It was probably 10 plus. But Mm. I feel like there was something about those that, as a society, we just decided, yeah, maybe better move on. (laughs) Our society has made a lot of dodgy decisions in their time. Look at the current (laughs) Prime Minister. Yeah, so within the last two years, never mind the last 20. (laughs) (laughs) So bring it back. Jeremy Corbyn would have brought them back. (laughs) 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 So the cat's plat challenge, right? (laughs) At the end, at the end of whether it's the party or the cat's plat challenge, it doesn't say. But at the end, Crow, that's another friend. Crow? 
what he drank. So I think we're at the end of the challenges here, and he's feeling as if he hasn't won the challenges personally. So he's he mm. drinks a mixture of Ribena, Coke, Lemonade, Kiora, Vinegar. Oh no, it all went wrong. Mustard, Vile. ketchup, Vile. et cetera. Vile. Gross. I suppose that now he was doing gross-out humour, and we can all yes, agree. Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I started to ask <laughs> earlier, why are you? And then I stopped because <laughs> I was that child too. So whatever, you know. And it was a challenge, you know. However, yeah, I, as a child, I would not have wasted a perfectly good burger. Anyway, uh, borrowed Jim's Nez with Mario 1, Solstice, and Low-G Man. Just now got to level 2 in Zelda. Ah! It's 11.15pm! night. <laughs> Sunday the 17th. The aftermath of the party. Now, a grown-up birthday party, you might expect to have a hangover the next day. You might expect to find a plant pot knocked over, perhaps, if it was a particularly rowdy one. What's the fallout of a 14th birthday in 1996? Sunday the 17th. I can't find my toothbrush since Mike had it at the party. <laughs> what the f*** was Mike doing with my toothbrush at the party? It doesn't say, and I can't remember. Told Mike to lie on the floor and he did it, the absolute mad lad. <laughs> Gave Ian a broom and he just started sweeping. What is he like? And then the only thing left in this fortnight, not at all Sonic related, I'm afraid, but it is a lovely little reminder of when we were. On the 23rd... That's when I went to see Toy Story. Hey, oh gosh, Toy Story. Toy that story feels like... Oh, that feels weird to me to yeah. hear that that's no. It's Ace going again on Saturday with other friend. Weird. Uh, no, I don't like that. It's, there's something off-putting about hearing about that. That That feels like it belongs to a whole other time than the time we've been talking about on this podcast up till now to me. We're going to be making this podcast looking back into a year when, like, Pokemon is out. Mm, I don't like it! <laughs> it's got weird now because even in the span of two issues since I stopped buying it, it's all weird now. <laughs> that won't feel so weird to me because I won't have been reading the comic at the time yeah. to know that Pokemon is out and I'd moved on already anyway. Yeah. And, but still that was the exact moment you became a man when you closed issue 70 or whatever it was it's, uh, 72 i put away childish things <laughs> and started reading judge dread <laughs> uh mad cow disease is now official oh god just a mad Speaking of Toy Story, though, there is a thread that leads us through to the ad on the next page here. I suppose, yes. Because although Pixar has not yet been acquired by Disney, you know it will be, and that's the connection, because it's Disney. Because it's another ad for the Disney Channel! Yes! It's... rancid. <laughs> it is a nerd kit for those who miss our half-term programming. And it's... You know, you're not you're not seriously supposed to cut them out, but they're presented as yes. cut out a bowl cut of hair. Yes. Big thick glasses with yes. buggy eyes in them and big buck teeth. This is the full Dwayne Dibley outfit, this. Yeah, that yeah. Look, it's a weird thing, right? Where we have to accept that what is actually like a bully in school today and what is a nerd are not like the bowl cut, thick rimmed glasses, buck tooth. No, that's that's out of the fifties, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's the nutty professor, isn't it? Yeah, these people did not exist in the real world. Like, 
And that transitioned into being the language of how a nerd is represented <laughs> in popular culture, such that in our childhood it was still being presented as it. Now, I think, I think, I do, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like pop culture has moved on enough that that's not what a nerd is anymore. Yeah. I feel like nerds are presented as like, you know, people who go online to talk about the things they enjoy and make podcasts about them. That's our stuff. Sad, it was like that, you know? <laughs> Sad loners. Yeah, you know, by the way, at exactly this time, that was the word we used. Instead of Sado or whatever, we were like, loner! <laughs> loner! But loner, like you're saying, loner, as in, it's another way of saying Billy No Me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you, know? uh, you loner. But you would use it on a hair trigger. If, just by chance, your group had moved slightly away from one remaining person, you'd turn around <laughs> and go, loner! Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, Sonic was a loner once. It used to be his thing, you yeah. know, and that was cool. Yeah. Being a loner can be cool as well. Wolverine was a loner, and he was cool, <laughs> mum. Yeah, and if you care about either of those characters, you're a loner. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you know that's not true, though. Everybody played Sonic, and in a few years' time, everybody would be talking about the <laughs> X-Men like it was the hottest <laughs> after the film came out. Yeah. We win in the end. <laughs> the nerds win in the nerds. end. These kit people, we win in the end. Our sh becomes culture. But the reason you've got this nerd kit, have you even said why? It's for those who miss our half-term program. Yes, if you would like to talk about stuff that did not in any way become culture, <laughs> it's the stuff that the Disney Channel is actually bloody offering up. Yes, there's absolutely nothing, nothing worth watching here at all. You, there's no reason you would be enticed to watch these. A feast of feature films, including the hilarious Cool Runnings. Uh, cool Runnings was their number one ticket that they put up it. front as the thing to single yeah. out. The British television premiere of the Boys to Men live show Going Home. Great. I looked that up. It's just a concert video. It's just a concert. And we've got Hollywood. This one actually did interest me slightly. Yeah. Hollywood Lives, mm. a new real life series that follows the fortunes of 12 budding starlets. And mm. I'm like, oh, so it was like, what, re reality television as early yeah. as this? I'm interested in that from a cultural point of view. Did you have a look? No. It's what it sounds like. There's basically 12, basically, theatre school kids who are going into some system that some producer somewhere uses for their talent. And it follows them without knowing if they're going to be a success or if they're all going to be a failure. Although they probably did know that exactly one of them was going to be a success and that's why they made the show at all. Yeah. Um, Is that one person someone with a name I would recognise today? Potentially. Her name was Brandy, I believe, and she was... Oh, Brandy, sure, yeah. Yeah, briefly a pop star or something and turned up in... Well, wasn't she... What was she in? Was she not Moesha? Moesha, yes, yes. She was Moesha, That yeah. was it. And, and she and that, that Cinderella movie she did has been having a bit of a renaissance That's lately it. in the cultural circles. I've seen it brought up more and more often lately. We're talking about Disney live-action movies and everything. That seems to come up often enough now. It's executive produced by a woman called Willie Baronet, which I just thinks a good name. It reminds me of the time that me and my brother were trying to read a, uh, a Shoe People story onto a tape. <laughs> Here when you come back, suggested the Willie Sergeant. The Wily Sergeant. The Willie Sergeant. The Willie Sergeant. So back to the Disney Channel. Oh God, yeah, we're still on this. Aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we didn't finish. Miss out and you'll feel very, very silly. Very, it very, says, very, and like yeah. that's that's what a nerd is. Someone that's very, very silly. Very silly. Yeah. I don't. Right, listen. Mm. I don't know when I first sort of 
came to understand or realised that the Disney Channel wasn't just cartoons 24-7. Yeah. I guess if I'd been reading the comic for this issue, this might have been the time. Yeah, maybe. But, um, by God, people don't have to romanticise some of the absolute old sh** <laughs> that the Disney Channel put out in the 90s and 2000s of live-action nature. Yeah. Because the people in it got famous as singers and then real actors later. Uh -huh, yeah. Just stop it. Like, live-action television for children is all bad, except for Teabag. Teabag was Tales. Fox on the Run, part two, written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Mike Hadley, and letters by Steve Potter. Tails finds Tantrum at the bottom of the pit, where the mouse has a high-volume temper tantrum that causes a cave-in and blocks their way out. Venturing deeper into the cave, the pair are attacked by a Crawlton, but Tails is able to tie the badnik up in knots and send it to a fiery end in the river of lava below. While trying to get to safety, Tantrum falls off the bridge, and though Tails swoops in to grab him, the fox has tired himself out and begins falling down toward the lava. There is a touch of the ewers and the irks and the odor de about this strip, isn't there? A pinch, but any trace of it <laughs> is made up for by the fact Tails beats this bad yeah, Nick's ass exactly. all on his own. No mistakes, yep. no accidents, no yep. stumbling into victory. And not, not just that he beats mm -hmm. it, that he beats it using his own yeah. specialised strengths yeah. and skills. In a different way than Sonic would. Yeah, I may not be as cool as Sonic or able to super spin attack. That's a weird sentence. I'm cool with it. Mm -hmm. Other Sonic characters shouldn't be able to super spin attack. The whole point of Sonic spin attacking <laughs> is he's at a hedgehog, so he's covered in spikes. Yeah. Other characters shouldn't be able to do that, but they always have, yeah. and it's only got worse with time. Next fan game that comes out, right, where you can play as Sonic or Tails, make it so that when Tails spin attacks a badnik, it just kind of pushes the badnik. <laughs> so Tails, like, fluffs up like a lovely soft spongy thing. <laughs> but I can deal with you in my own way, and he flies around the badnik. It's a Crawlton badnik. That's yes. one of the caterpillar-like badniks from the Mystic Cave Zone. So it's long. It's, it's mm. a long snake-like you know, insect. Long caterpillar one. Type one. And uh, he flies around, it gets it all dizzy, gets it all tied up in knots, and then it falls off the bridge and into the lava below, and I guess it's lucky that was one that had not yet taken an organic battery, isn't it? Oh, yes, whoops. <laughs> so yeah, there is, there's a little bit, um, if Sonic were here, he'd know what to do. To be honest, I don't know that it's Tails giving it off, so much as it is Tantrum just moaning that Tails is useless, when Tails is actually, God love him, trying yeah. his very best. Yeah, and doing perfectly well. Uh, unlike past stories, yeah. In this odd surrogate parental role that he's got in this strip. Yeah. Honestly, this is a transformative Tails strip. Yeah. It's, it's quite unassuming, but it is about finally telling Tails stories. Yes. Where he just bees a hero on Mobius yeah. and actually succeeds on his own and doesn't stumble into weird side adventures through mistaken identity where he blunders his way into victory through sheer dumb luck. Yeah. He's, he's out here kicking ass. Yeah. He thought of a way to defeat this robot. And did. The luck he's having is all bad luck, which he then fixes by doing stuff. So this tantrum is there. <laughs> and uh, he could have fixed that by letting him fall into the lava, I suppose. But instead, well. <laughs> he fixes the problem of him falling into lava by, of course, grabbing him and, and spinning. There was a... I suppose the, the fact that the final panel is that Tails just gets all dizzy and can't do it. Um, yeah, but like in the games. Yeah. yeah. 
just like so it's all good you know he's he's, he's tired because i mean and also tantrum's wriggling in his grasp so it's like jesus and he's knackered you know it's i don't think that mechanic has ever actually been in the comic before so tails gets tired at a very inopportune moment we've had to deal with that play in the games no bother where we'd be flying along and we're like tired out and careen into whatever's below us yeah i'm totally cool with it it's all good and this is fairly straightforward a to b with only one cutaway to the cowboy guy (laughs) mucking about and going wrong (laughs) flea bites not coming off well in this three panel segue to him uh He's all right in his first one. Uh, if the environment sleep for one minute, they can get away from me. They can think again. And I actually like the way uh, Stringer's writing out some of his dialogue here. With uh, oh, I'm sure you do, yeah. You're an accents man. Th- you know me. I'm a mark <laughs> for it, yeah. But it, it's the fact that he spells it. There's a reward yeah. on that fox's head, and I'm going to drag him down with this here infrared heat scanner device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> device. But then he, he drops a hyuk hyuk and he's drooling and then he presses the wrong button and actually gets an ad for, well, <laughs> there's a cultural reference for you. Remember back whenever Daz was doing the old doorstop challenge, <laughs> yeah. would you swap a packet of your regular washing powder for a packet of new improved Daz? Yeah. The Daz doorstep challenge. Here, I think. <laughs> My name's Danny Baker. This is the Daz doorstep challenge. Yeah. Who are you? Janice Except it's dazzle, dazzle here, but yeah, that's what he's tuned into. But then he goes, darn, press the wrong button. And it's like, oh, uh, he, he was coming off more medicine last issue, to be honest, with his giant cannon. Yeah, that's his entire appearance, this issue. That's it. That that. <laughs> I mean, it, I I feel it's justifiable, and it's like, yeah. well, why isn't he following them down into the hole? What happened to him? He because they're down a hole in this lava. We got we, yeah. we got to check in with the character. It would be weird for him to not appear for an issue, and it reestablishes him because it'd be even weirder if he didn't appear in this issue and did in the next one. We'd be like, who? Yeah, that's it. You just got to keep checked in with the character. I'm loving this um, cave that Flint's mm. drawing. Lovely big detailed, uh, and Hadley's uh, colors are bringing out all the detail in it very nicely as well. Yeah. All the ribs in the wall. Yeah, and the the glow of the lava illuminating all the individual, like, yeah, the crags and crevices. And the Crawlton looks suitably menacing as well for just being an ordinary Obadnik. Yeah, I'm enjoying this tail strip quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. I, I didn't realise I was so... I would I would really like a nice, competent Sonic Tails team-up strip, but yes. I honestly don't know if we'll ever get one at this point. I don't know. Because Sonic is going to go off and be doing his own thing for a good while uh, in the very near future. Mm. But, God, a true... Yeah. I was going to say I didn't realise, but obviously I did realise because I've spent the last 50 issues moaning about it. It's just nice to have what feels like a sensible, normal, logical idea <laughs> for a tail strip, finally. <laughs> like, I don't necessarily blame Isles for his decisions with the flock and everything because he was kind of picking up the baton Kitching had laid down with the idea of what Tails would be about in his solo adventures in SDC, which would be weird things where cases of mistaken identity led to him blundering into adventures he didn't want. Mm. Whereas here Stringer is doing... It's interesting because Stringer is the one who's been doing this with Amy as well, but they have been these little 
secret side adventures that she doesn't let yeah. on she's been having. Whereas this is a proper, I think this is a four-part Tales adventure where he just goes and, and pees a hero and has an adventure. It's great. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and also there's a cyborg cowboy bounty hunter <laughs> floating around in the background. And Tantrum's a good laugh. I mean, he's a little, he's a little prick, but <laughs> I get a laugh out of him, you know? And I like the way Carl Flint's drawn him. You know, some of Flint's renderings of Tales, uh, they come and go. Like, Tails, mm-hmm. he doesn't look so good in these last couple of panels on the strip, you know, with the the weird grin on his face when he's really supposed to be sort of quietly, he's supposed to be teasing Tantrum, you know? Or, like, whenever he's getting tired, eh, it doesn't look so hot. Good everything out. The Crawlton looks good. Mm-hmm. Fleabite looks good. The Cave looks good. Tantrum looks good. I, I like the minimalist design of Tantrum, and I like the way that his... He's got, he does an ooh mouth, you know, <laughs> a few times, you yeah. know, his mouth fully stretches out the corners and comes off his face in, in real classic comic cartooning style. The state, you know, although it's a silly thing about Tails escorting a whiny little prick of a child home, the action, the drama is good, the stakes are good, they're over a river of lava, and there's a killer robot chomping after them. Yeah. No, it's all good, I'm, I'm totally on with this. I'll bet Sarah Rose was pleased. <laughs> Yeah, this feels like it's ticking all the boxes because, like, she wasn't wrong in the things she kept saying about about Tales' treatment in the comic, and this feels like a very belated but final chance for Tales to really grow as a character and become the hero that's always been the potential of the character. You know, Mm. next issue, time for a hot bath, and I am wondering what's going to happen. They're falling towards the lava. I'm getting maybe Fleabite's going to come in and snag them or something. Mm. You know, he'll save them to get the reward. Get the reward. It's nice that we get to find these things out together again. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if I had read it years ago, I'd think it was a load of old tosh and be just waiting for whatever comes comes next speed lines dear megadroid dear megadroid why doesn't everybody at stc take a long well-deserved holiday for all the great work done on the comic says rebecca anderson from stockton on tees cleveland sounding like someone who's been trying to take over their offices and is trying to come up with schemes <laughs> to get them out. megadroid replies Rebecca, I, uh, well, you don't fool me. I suspect this is a plant by the humans who think they're in charge. <laughs> Matthew Shaw from Wellsburn has sent in a letter that they have thus titled, Shaw Thing. Mm. And he says, now that spring is in the air, I think it's about time you got yourself a girlfriend, Megadroid, to join you at STC. Mm. What do you think? Perhaps, Matthew. I'm going to be. Says Megadroid. Eligible droids should write to Droid Dating Agency, C-O-S-T-C. Own- I like this. Only Mark II and later models need apply. Saucy. Yeah. <laughs> Last one is from Martin Hemingway in Batley, who uh, is concerned about Knack the Weasel. Because mm. the last time he appeared was in issue 58, and he got shot by a metallics. He did. <laughs> yeah, so he did. Yeah. Can you tell me how he is? Well, Megadroid says, you can find the Willy Weasel Martin. (laughs) (laughs) You can find the Wily Weasel Martin alive and kicking in the forthcoming Knuckles Knockout Special. Yes, cross-promote those bad boys. Oh, I was really, really looking forward to this Knuckles Knockout Special. Although, it shouldn't even be telling us about it yet. May! I know. Well... The next issue was on sale 30th of March. Yeah. So it was originally supposed to be out only a week after that. Yeah, but it wasn't. So shut up about it. No, no, yeah. We have to wait a long time to get to it. Yeah. Cool yourself now. I don't know if we're going to keep seeing ads with the wrong date on it over the next two months. Yes. But. Okay, well, we've got a couple of bits of fan art. 
couple of I don't like that word in response to this. That's too internetic. No fan art. It's not fan art. This is art. Top one is from uh, Robert Perry in Sheldon, Birmingham. Mega Drive owner, Sonic and Knuckles camera winner. It is of Sonic. He's in bed. He's got a mug of a warm beverage in a mug that says I Heart STC. He's got a copy of a specific issue of STC. It's the first Valentine's issue. Is on his bed with the Valentine's card still on. Still attached. So he's not. Yep. He's too cool to, to send that to any girls. Blech. Patooey. Mind you, he does keep a framed picture of Amy on his wall. He does, so... doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. See a little little insight into his inner life there. Uh, yeah. He's got the, his calendar out, March 96, so he's kept hold of that Valentine's yeah. issue for a whole year now. Good long time, yeah, yeah. And, and drawn and sent in, presumably quite recently then, yeah. by uh, Robert Perry. He's on the phone. Who to? We don't know. Probably Amy. And on his bedroom door... And it is his bedroom because it says Sonic's Room in block capitals at the top. Do you know, I thought when I read it first, I thought it said Sonic Room. Like Sonic boom. Room, Sonic Room, Sonic Room. Yeah. <laughs> On the door, there's a picture of Robotnik with darts coming out of yeah. it. I feel like we've seen that somewhere before. I think that used to be in the base. You know, oh, probably. Early on, maybe. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. It's, it's old school Robotnik design, though, so... And there's something under his little bedside table, but it's been cropped off. We can't see what it cropped is. Cropped off, can't tell. Send in the full picture, Robert. It's nice. I like it. Cute. Yeah. But uh, it's a similar theme with Michael Freer's drawing. Yes. He's in from Fitzwilliam in West Yorkshire. So this one's even better drawn. Yes. Guess who's sleeping in Sonic's bed is the caption STC have put on it. And it's Tails yes. uh, sleeping in, in a... Well, it's a, it's a big Sonic-themed bedroom. He's sleeping in the Sonic bedclothes that I had. Yeah. The exact ones. He's got a Sonic bedclothes. He's got a Sonic cuddly toy in bed with yeah. him. He's got a Sonic cap on his bed knob at the end there. What's that got to do with my knob? The second instance of a bed knob in all of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> He's got... Looks like issues of STC next to his alarm clock on his bed. He's got posters of... I wonder if these are real yeah. posters or, or they feel like maybe they're pinups or something or, or at least panels. Well, that Sonic and Knuckles is a real STC pinup and he's included yeah. the STC pinup logo. Oh, he's included an STC logo in the one on the right of Sonic running down a hill. So maybe that's what... I remember that one, actually. Oh, I remember, Yeah, yeah, because it's got the loop in the background. Remember, it, it was published not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, but the artwork seemed to be much older. Oh. It was Elson artwork, I remember that. Right. But then I'm not sure about the other two, which is one is the, an underside shot of Sonic's head as if from the opening from animation Sonic of Sonic CD. Yeah, that's definitely the Sonic and CD one. And then another one of Sonic running across a green landscape with what looks like the Egomatic after him in the background. The Sonic CD, that particular frame of the Sonic CD animation, which was not drawn to be seen in isolation, but it was used in isolation. That was the first Sonic CD screenshot I ever saw, so yeah, I'm um, sure this kid. Maybe he had my Sonic 2 guidebook that I saw it in. And above Tails' head floats a little dream bubble mm. of him going faster than Sonic faster than and Sonic. Sonic behind him going, Hey, Tails, wait up! Did you notice the tiny little joke that there's a little tiny yeah. sleeping mouse? I've just spotted it, yeah. <laughs> there's a little mouse hole in the corner of the, you know, just in the room, and there's just little Zeds coming out of it. Little. Tiny little sleeping mouse! That's great! I love that! That's a lovely bit of work, that one. That's great. Speaking of pieces of work... It's your letters! It's your letters! It's your letters! It's your letters! Yes, we have our own mailbag here at STCTP, let's say Towers. Um, if you want to write to it, then send an email off to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Here's what we got this time. Dear STCTP, I am an American Sonic fan. More appropriately, I am a fan of Sonic, 
who was born in America. Okay, see, because there's a great many ways that yeah. can Two go. Two very yeah. different things. <laughs> As a kid in the 90s, by your calendar, I will be turning 10 in April of 96. I was in love with Sonic the second I first saw him and had to have the games, comics, cartoons, canned pasta, toys, anything hey. I could get my hands on. Yeah. However, it always puzzled me that the cartoons and comics... It never felt like they matched what I was playing That's what in I'm the talking game. about. <laughs> Chris's face. <laughs> He's punching the air. I always accepted them as a kind of alternate universe and not canon to what I was playing in the games, but more just fun adventures starring Sonic and Tails. I grew up a, a bit of an Anglophile, as I've always loved British rock music of the 60s and 70s and British comedies that I used to watch with my grandma. She had cable. If someone told me back then that there was a Sonic comic in the UK that actually followed and seemed to progress alongside the games, that would have been my jam, Sonic Jam. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dave and Chris, for making this podcast and giving me not only some much-needed nostalgia right when I needed it, but also for allowing me the opportunity to discover this amazingly good piece of Sonic lore. I'm currently on my third listen-through of the series. Whoa! A dedicated boomer. Thank you. dedicated follower of podcast he'll get that reference i reckon that's our most dedicated listener third complete listen through you and i haven't listened to this three times i probably have but only because like the ones i edited or whatever that doesn't count no wow and i'm absolutely loving it each and every time I'd have written in sooner, but as you can see, I can be a bit wordy and I felt like I'd be wasting your time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no. Because the thing is, we'll just cut you down if you're too wordy. Like, we just... I don't mean we'll kill you where you stand. I mean, we'll edit you in the record. <laughs> this last time through, I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to reach out and let you know how much I'm enjoying your podcast and to thank you again for making it. You'll probably be hearing from me a bit more, both via email and on Twitter. Yes, please. I am the Sonic Maniac on there and on Instagram where I mostly post pictures of my Sonic toy collection. Yes. I'm looking forward to hearing all the rest of this podcast and we'll be listening to the very end thank you again dane bramage or bramage and i don't know how to pronounce it but it makes me think of brain mage <laughs> another <laughs> guest different that guy. we've had yeah thank you very much dean that you know yeah. i've said it before like but so i know we're 74 episodes into this now and we're pretty set mm. in our ways <laughs> but i am glad that people yeah. are not being put off by our rampant mockery of all the things <laughs> they grew up loving i'm sure many people have been and won't touch the show because yeah. we said archie's i know no, but, yeah. <laughs> you have to understand listeners that like it is a joke it is a bit yeah. and the fact that every word of it is also our true feelings also doesn't make it not beat. a joke or a bit <laughs> <laughs> dane is a sega genesis stroke mega drive and sega mega cd and 32x owner and says p.s knuckles chaotic's is better when played with a friend. Oh, oh I yeah. bet, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I played Chaotix with my fiance, and she asked me why Knuckles looked pink. Well, I turned around and said, because Knuckles was pink. <laughs> pink. <laughs> Hashtag it. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Thanks, Dane. <laughs> Love it. And there you go. That's our mailbag. If you want to be in it, then you can send words or pictures or sounds. Or videos, but you know, put them up on YouTube and give us a link. Like, I'm not downloading it. <laughs> to STCT Podcast, not P, STCT Podcast at gmail.com. And I reckon that brings us to the end of another issue. Next issue, 
Springtime! 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 It's a cracking Easter issue featuring a Splat's Bad Nick pinup. That's um, what they've gone with. That's what they're foregrounding here among the many great features in the next issues. The shitty Bad Nick pinups are back, and it's a Splat's, the Bad Nick that's not even in the game. Whoever it was at Sega who failed to tick the deleted box next to Splat's on a form one day caused a lot of confusion for a lot of official Sonic merchandise producers, didn't they? Understand that Splat's has a spring on its bum, and that's why the joke is spring Springtime, yeah. And they've just got a big close-up shot of a Splat's bum. Also, Sonic, excellent complete story. Mmm. Tales out of the frying pan. Mmm. Graphic zone. Egg express mm. yourself because it's an Easter issue. Do you get an mm. egg express yourself? Knuckles on eggs. Expected surprises. Ah, <laughs> Easter eggs like an Easter egg. egg. Shining force. M- more uh, action. Uh, uh, egg. Uh, egg, uh, egg venture. Egg, egg like, venture. Like an Easter egg. Like, uh, yeah. Q zone. Echo. Brackets. Echo. <laughs> Echo. 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 The <laughs> He's still like a bird. Echo. <laughs> STC 75, you can't beat it, beat it like an egg, like a bird's egg. (laughs) On sale Saturday, the 30th of March, 96. How many of these puns do you reckon are going to be repeated on the cover and control zone of next issue, right? I know. I think they probably will. I expect they will, anyway. I expect (sighs) they will do that. I eggs... Expect they like will. Eggs. I don't. I. Coming out on the thirtieth. Stop it. <laughs> Coming out on the thirtieth of March will mean it's also just in time for April Fool's Day. So I don't know uh, if they'll pull anything in relation to um, that. They've, they've had a. They remember what it last jokes. year? They did a did joke they? about Sonic getting a film. <laughs> That's right. That was what, the what joke. A ludicrus concept. Gonna make no, I guess film. that. I mean, that was two years ago. Who knows anymore? No, I think it was one. I don't know. Who? Ah, whatever it is and whatever they're doing, you'll find it <laughs> next time and you can find it anywhere. Good podcasts are available if you're willing to tolerate more egg puns like that. Ah, whatever this is and whatever we're doing, that's what, what you'll I, find what are we, What is this again? What am I recording? <laughs> ah, whatever I am recording, you'll find it at stctp.wigglehe.com. My fault, sorry. If you're ever curious, just go to wigglehe.com by itself and see what happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> this takes money. We need it. And, you know, please help us out because otherwise the whole thing is just going to go to pot and disintegrate and stop before we get to some really good stuff. So to do that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash stctp and you won't leave empty-handed. In oh fact, God, to you... No. It'll be like unlocking another, I don't know, six months end-to-end worth of content. Not obviously, but it's loads, loads and loads of content. on No, this. what are we up to? We're a solid, must be a year and a half's worth of content now at this point. Of right? lengthy videos. Two videos every month or so, yeah. One of which is us looking at the Martin Adams novels, which came out concurrent with the first year of Sonic the Comic, thus making them some of the first stories about Sonic the Hedgehog ever written. And one of them is still probably the best Story about something that at least one of them yes we're, we're currently in the middle of the third one the silicon warriors which is it, it's not bad but we're still sort of waiting for it to take shape and see exactly where it's going that's right yeah but uh, sonic in the fourth dimension absolutely flipping brilliant we have an uh, interview with the author which kind of no one else has it's al- yeah. almost a world exclusive certainly it's the only like audio and video one that i'm aware has ever happened so that's there if you fancy that 
Um, and this is these are all videos, but they're also up as audios because some people don't like our faces. And who could blame them? For my, I tell you, I, although you will be missing out on the face journey that I go on. Oh yes, important point. For the second video series a month when Dave reads me his wretched old fan fiction. Yeah, the, the episode where Dr. Robotnik died forever is particularly harrowing. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com forward slash stctp to have access to all of that and be like my co-host on my other podcast series is this Jahan who loves the end of Mobius videos or at least insists on watching all of the end of Mobius videos so they must be good mustn't they they must be worth a look he doesn't care for Sonic particularly it's just no, he really likes bothered. to see me suffer you know? I think he just likes to see Chris's face fall further and <laughs> further and further until it dangles around his navel yeah you can follow the show on Twitter. Uh, that's where we post new episodes and related pictures and this and that, my bobbins. I'm always retweeting fan art and stuff. Anytime oh, I yeah. stumble across anybody with a good opinion of STC or a nice piece <laughs> of a nice piece of fan art or somebody digging their collection out. Yeah, yeah. Any drawings of techno will go on there. I mean, that's the main, isn't it? Yeah. That's the big thing. That is at Sonic Podcast. You can join us there. We're on there individually as well. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. We're both on YouTube under those names as well. Our opening theme song is called Synchronize. It's by a band called Sonic the Comic. You can find their stuff at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast. And as always, we will see you next time. It's by a band called Sonic the Comic. We call them Sonic the Comic. The, 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 we do. <laughs>